Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Joey. Usually in Affable Chat, we dive as deep as we can into a topic, and usually we talk about movies. But today is an exception. Today, I've brought a very special guest with me. It's New Year, New Me, Tony Reads. <laughs> yes, and we are here to talk about a book, or actually a series of books, the Red Rising series. Uh, this uh, series consists of six books currently, Red Rising, Golden Sun, Morning Star, Iron Gold, Dark Age, and Lightbringer. And one more book is slated for release, which is meant to be the end of the series, Red God. This is a revolutionary science fiction fantasy and it's written by Pierce Brown. There, I uh, listened to the audiobook version for all of these stories, um, and the narrators, there was a bunch of narrators, actually. The first trilogy and all of Lightbringer was read, was, was read by Tim Jared Reynolds, who was amazing. I thought he was one of the strongest voice actors I've ever had read me a book. Um, but he was joined in Iron Gold uh, uh, by Aidan Maloney, John Curlis, and Julian Elfer, and in Dark Age, John Curlis returned along with Moira Quirk, uh, James Langdon, and Renda Haywood. Um, yes, it was a uh, great. Do you know, um, like, do you know which actor, uh, which voice actor did which characters? Or I can find out for you. Aiden Maloney was Aiden Maloney was Lyria, I believe. Uh, John Curlis was Ephraim. Julian Elfer was Lysander, mm. and then I think. Uh, Two of them were replaced in Dark Age by other people. I think, believe Moira was Lyria, and then Renda Haywood was Virginia. Okay, yeah. Um, yep. And James Landon was um, Lysander. And and then Tim Gerald did them all in Lightbringer? Did all of them in Lightbringer, which my theory is that because the book is so new, um, that was like what they were able right. to do. And then maybe in the future they Have will it. replace his portions that were that were by the other narrators by other people. But I don't know. Um, he did a yeah, fantastic. I mean, job. Honest, honestly, in, especially in Lightbringer too. I mean, we're like way getting ahead of it, but like Lightbringer has a lot of male POVs. Yes. How about you, Anthony? I, I so I listened to this on audiobook, uh, hours about almost like over a hundred hours of audiobook. What about you? Um, so I read all these on my Kindle. Uh, I bought a Kindle after reading X amount of physical books. I said time for the Kindle. I actually, what it was is I read. I read three books on my phone, like electronically. Are you serious? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I like just thinking about it. I'm like, that seems psychotic. So then, so then I can I, barely read a single article on my phone. It's yeah. so painful. It it, it 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 takes a lot of resolve. Okay, and um and anyway, so I bought a Kindle, and the very first book I read on my Kindle was Red Rising, and and then obviously I followed that up with Golden Sun, Morning Star, Iron Gold, all of them. I. I, I purchased Red Rising, so I do own that one. I did um, Golden Sun, Morning Star, Iron Gold, all on Libby. Uh, so I rented them from my local library just via my phone, which I then transferred to my Kindle. And then I purchased Dark Age because as soon as I finished Iron Gold, I had to know what was next. And then I purchased Lightbringer because my library wasn't going to have it in a timely fashion, and I needed it <laughs> immediately. So... Yes, I mean that is that was similar to where I was because I was also looking at Libby for uh, the audiobooks, and as soon as there was not one available, but I had an Audible credit, I was purchasing that so fast. So, just to get this it, is um this is like up. the like I'm not really much of like a book owner. I like having physical books, and they're fine. Like I'm reading a physical book right now, and it's fun to have it because it's like big. I want this series to own 
as like a trophy. Like I want yes. a nice one to like put up somewhere that people can see and I can be like, yeah, this is this is like one of the best things ever, you know? Like look at it. Witness me. I uh, I completely agree. That's exactly why I buy physical books is to show off to other people. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, we're not going to recap the entire series. It's just too long and too epic for us to do that. But we will give you a brief synopsis here, uh, which will not, be a, will not have any spoilers in it. Um, it just gives you an idea of what the series is about. For 700 years, the society has ruled with an iron gold fist. But its sacred hierarchy is threatened when a man is transformed from slave into savior. Follow Darrow of Lycos as he infiltrates the leadership caste conquers rivals, breaks institutions, and believes he can live for more. So we both, Anthony was the one who recommended this series to me, and I've decided that the best way for us to, to, to start talking about this is to give a spoiler-free pitch for why people should read the series. I think that there's a lot, it's, it can be a big commitment to dedicate many, many hours of uh, physical reading, uh, of, of listening to something, and in case you made it to this podcast and you haven't read the books, uh, this is the part where you should pay attention. And then I'll let you know when you can log off and then go download Red Rising to read for yourself. Um, but uh, I've written this for your enjoyment, uh, so please enjoy. The Red Rising series is poised to become the defining science fiction fantasy story of the decade. Everyone is reading it, and trust me, you do not want to miss out on this. On pure content alone, this is more than just a political thriller or an action-packed series. It's about my favorite question of all time, the only question that really matters. What is the best way for humans to organize our society? I think Brown takes a really bold step in trying to answer that question. He's a very conscientious writer, and although I don't know anything about his politics, his views on power and the future of humanity match mine in a striking way. Pierce Brown has a mastery of metaphor that is like watching a sculptor work at a block of marble. There are no tricks. There's nothing special about what he's doing. But all the same, it's captivating. Every tiny slice suddenly reveals the beauty that was always hidden inside. I'm in love with Brown's writing. Every time he breaks my heart with a perfectly tragic twist, it is so worth it and delivered with such depth and care. When I leave this world and head to the veil, I hope my journey is supported with words as soul-resounding as the words in this series. Any decent author will tell you that good characters practically write themselves. Much of the enjoyment from the series is spent trying to predict what my favorite and least favorite characters will do next. All of that to say, Red Rising's characters are some of the richest I've ever found in fiction. They are more than multidimensional. They leap from the page. Each is so carefully built, but also they grow and change in surprising and satisfying ways. Brown weaves them into and out of the story with such grace, it's always awesome when they show up in unexpected places. The whole story is driven by our characters' actions. Nothing happens without someone else causing it. I've already spent many hours letting my mind inevitably wander back to Red Rising, and I find myself fixated on how a specific action by a specific person has consequences that resonate for literal decades. When characters die, their presence still seeps into the story, their legacy, their dreams, their actions. The world is crafted with such care that it is easy to imagine alternate histories of if certain characters didn't die when they did. The way our heroes process loss has honestly taught me so much about how to think about sacrifice and death. It's shaken me to my very core, made me reconsider my own views on what's important in life and what it means to believe in something. 
So there are three reasons I think this series has captured my heart so completely. The first is all the things I've, I've just said. The writing is beautiful. The concept of the world is profound. The characters are so meaty and rich. The plot is squeezed so tight. It is an immaculate feat of storytelling. The second reason I love this series so much is that it's so damn cool. All of the cultural traditions that spring from real human history, the technology, the weapons and armor, the Greek and Roman references, the displays of honor, the self-sacrifice, the speeches, the epic battles, just the names of the, all the people and ships. These, this is an aesthetically immersive series. Brown has never held back from making something as cool as it possibly can be. His writing gets me so jazzed. When I'm listening to it, it's like I'm six years old. I'm frequently screaming and running around pretending to stab stuff. This, these books get me so hyped, and it's because it would be so freaking awesome to live in this world. Everything is so grand. It seems like every other page, the fate of the entire human race balances on a razor's edge. It's just fucking epic. The third reason I love this series is because it has this faint but ever-present tone of hope. Although this world is messed up and everything can seem insane, the story is all about believing in something and dedicating your life to making that thing come true. No matter how many of my favorite characters die, no matter how many times the bad guys win, no matter how many millions of people are killed, I still live for more. To me, this is an element that I find more and more essential in my favorite art. I need that spirit of hope to be alive. Reading something sobering and depressing is exhausting. You aren't rewarded for caring for characters. You're punished for it. I think there's something so human about stories with happy endings, and it feels like over the last decade or so, we have faded away from that. As the current American empire crumbles around us and our media reflects a dying world, I'm tired of it. I need to see something positive. I want to feel like maybe we can dream big and that anything is possible. And even though there's not yet an end to the series, I have so much faith that our good guys are going to pull it off. I'm rooting for them in a way that's embarrassing to admit. I am so emotionally invested in this story. And I know Brown is going to pull some insane shit right at the end. But honestly, the ride this far is so worth it. I only have one last thing to say. Do you have anything you want to add? Oh yeah, I like I have to say like to to just put it on a level of like I feel like how well you understand things versus like my easy simple pitch. Um like you wrote something masterful and and then my pitch for Red Rising to like anyone that's made it this far is that uh Red Rising is Attack on Titan meets Game of Thrones meets Star Wars. But like the really good Star Wars, it has transcendent character development, Nostradamus level political scheming, horrifying war scenes, and the best fucking plot I've ever read. We've both said fuck at this point. Uh, if you're like me and you haven't really read much since high school and want to get back into reading, or if you're an avid reader looking for a high stakes, war heavy, heart wrenching adventure, it has to be Red Rising. I, I cannot say it better. It was, I completely agree with you. Nice. So there you have it. That's why uh, you should read the series. If, if, if I've convinced you, then I encourage you to stop listening now and pick up your own copy of Red Rising from your local bookstore. We have enjoyed it immensely, and I hope you do, too. <clears throat> I, I know to, like, some people, they, like, obviously that was all spoiler-free and there's, like, <laughs> nothing involved there, but that was so, like, well-written, Joey. Uh, like, you. of all... Uh, like, when I was thinking of recommending the series to someone, I tried a couple people... But, like, when I was thinking it through, I was like, Joey is going to understand this on a level that I might not, you know? Like, and I want to see his perspective on things. Like, that was just so well written. Um, I, like, I, I'm, I'm honored that you have read the series, like, t to nah, basket yeah, yeah. it with me. This, is, this has been such an interesting experiment between you and I. 
because like it's very hard to get people to 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 uh watch or read something that you like you know recommendations just kind of go out the window and at this point i'm of the opinion that like sometimes you just have to spoil things in order for people to be convinced you know because sometimes because that's ultimately the best parts of it are the parts that you don't want to tell people which is this weird irony here right but i do think that this story has a lot going for it that's just like the whole the whole feeling of it the whole tone of it is so so amazing it's not just the things that happen that grip me it's the the way it's written everything so a good thing to do for your friends is to listen to them when they recommend something to you and and it's a good way to build a relationship i think so i'm very happy that we're here together anthony because yeah i i'm so used to being on an island by myself you know having being the only person i know and like stuck in my own thoughts so it's so nice to have someone to like bounce everything off of yeah and and that was one thing especially while you were reading it i like constantly had to like hold myself like stand firm and be like i don't actually remember like specifically what happened when sometimes so like i don't want to reveal anything without saying it yes um and uh but i like i'm so happy that we're here i can't believe that we're here um like i'm so happy that that this is where we are well, in um, between when you recommended this and when it when I finished reading it, Lightbringer came out. So it was kind of like this whole cascade of things, right? Because you were also kind of reinvigorated with the series because you were just reading it then. And I was like in the depths of it, getting caught up. So it was, yeah, it was a good experience, I think, for both of us. Okay, but uh, that's it. So uh, for uh, for everyone else, um, it's, uh, it's spoiler time. Uh, let's play the air horn. <laughs> Spoilers! It's spoiler time. That's right. Spoiler time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, What was spoiler day? (laughs) Okay, so the way we're gonna do this is we we divided this into a couple of sections. The first, we're gonna Anthony and I are gonna go over our top five moments. Uh, from the series, we we both picked five, and we're gonna go. We're gonna count down from five to one. Then we're gonna uh, talk about our two favorite characters. We each each pick characters to, t- to highlight, and then we're gonna talk about predictions for the last book in this series, Red God. And I guess Anthony, at this point, we might as well schedule another podcast in two years when Red God. You know, comes out. <laughs> I like. I know this is gonna sound crazy, but and uh, like now that we're this is happening, I can tell you about it too. But there is a podcast currently out. Oh, where yeah. they talk about the books, yeah, um, the Hail Reaper podcast. Slight ad for them, um, but they the way they broke up Lightbringer is a way that I would like to break it up with you because it allows me to digest the book better. Yeah, yeah. But like the for people that are just now getting into it, Pierce writes these into like parts. Like Lightbringer was like part one, part two, part three, part four within the book, and the way that they did it is each part was a podcast okay so they had to read it and then wait you know <laughs> oh like make predictions about what was happening like I, like and honestly the resolve for that because i couldn't i could not put down like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, could, I could not put it down yeah yeah no it's uh, i mean well you do anything for content I mean, that's what <laughs> true Very <laughs> that's true. what it comes down to Anyway, um, let's get started with our top five moments. Anthony, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Um, I, I will go first. Okay. Um, so my, hold on, I want to say this right. My n- 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 number five. Is that good? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> okay. My uh, number five for me is uh, Eo's Dream, which is in Red Rising. Um, Eo is 
Daryl's wife. Do I have to do? Do we have to do context? No. Is that something? I'm talking to you, right? <laughs> you don't okay. have to do context. Okay. Context. So my my top five is EO's dream, right? So essentially, the Kickstarter for the whole thing, right? Like, you kind of don't know Darrow's place in all this, other than that he like is a slave, right? And that he like he's upset with how things are in his town, right? He's like mad about like oh the other family's gonna get more food than us, right? But right? then but he also recognizes like the the sinisterness of that system so early on, right? And, and how, like, even though he did win whatever, like, competition they had, mm-hmm. the Gamma still got the most, still got the award for it, They right? still got, yeah, they still got all that stuff. Which was a, which was, like, just another way of twisting the knife, right? It's, it's another careful calculation by the Golds to be like, look, even if you try as hard as you can, nothing will break the system that we've built. Yeah. Oh so good anyway so the night of that right eo and darrow they like break out and they like look at this like beautiful garden that like is totally bizarre to them right because they're like from like red dust mines right Yeah, they're underground yeah they, they like they're there to terraform mars right this uninhabitable planet and come to realization that None of that is true, right? Like, not only is Mars terraformed, the solar system is. The The reaches that the Golds have is far beyond Mars. And um, anyway, Eo's final words to Darrow, pretty much, before she's killed. Um, now, I'm just going to quote her verbatim. Death isn't empty like you say it is. Emptiness is life without freedom, Darrow. Emptiness is living chained by fear. Fear of loss, of death. I say we break those chains. That is so awesome, okay? Like, because, and Joey, for like for context, right? Like, I'm going into this book, and my, the the pitch that I received, so I kind of gave you a little pitch for, like, why you should read Red Rising. Yeah, yeah. My pitch was good guy to bad guy arc. Okay. And, and breaking the chains is, like, as close as you can get to Aaron Yeager, right? Like, he is, like... They they have such similar vibes where it's like s- slave of a society has to like break free of his prison and will stop at nothing to make sure that that happens. Like this is the Kickstarter of his arc, and 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 it's essentially what drives him the whole series, even in Lightbringer when he's like so far removed from from her death. Anyway, it's top five moment. It kickstarts the whole thing. It for me when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I like I can see the seeds have been sown of like what could happen love it yes it's um it's so it's so amazing and uh, this is like one of the one of the first times you see this idea of self-sacrifice come into fruition right um yeah because she like she martyrs herself right right? which seems bizarre right but then it, it resonates with the rest of the series in such an amazing way and her like death becoming a symbol she become her becoming persephone right and, mm-hmm. and Darrow seeing her image, like basically chasing him throughout the rest of his life is just incredible. But this idea of like you in order to, if you actually believe in something, you're willing to die for it is something that Darrow believes in his whole heart. Right. And is constantly putting himself and all of his friends lives on the line for this belief. Right. And it all comes down to this very simple idea something that a, a you know a, a very young girl was able to conceptualize and to and to see it's not complicated right it's 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 seeing what's true and and believing that it could be better 
And uh, that's uh, something really powerful, I think. Um, okay, my top five. My, 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 my number five. Five, five. is uh, fake Helios, a.k.a. Atlas, destroying the dust and dragon armadas. Oh, yes. Yeah. What a, <laughs> what a twist. This is one of the best, best twists in the whole series. This is the yes. Lightbringer. Um, the, the, first of all, they lead us to believe that they have this really fancy um, moon-slinging uh, you know, maneuver that they're going to do, right? Diomedes is sitting down with Lysander. Yeah. It's 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 something that the like the people of the rim use to to preserve fuel, right? right? Where they like they wrap around the orbits of different moons, yeah, and sling using gravity to like slingshot them to to their home world. And because of the arrangement of moons in on Jupiter, like around Jupiter, right? Sometimes it lines up in a way where you can do it and be like hidden because you're never using your in- engines, or you're not even turning on your shields. You're just like floating like you're a piece of rock like through navigating perfectly through all these things and ending up exactly where you want to be like in uh, without revealing that you're going to get there. Right. Um, it sounds awesome. And then remember Diomedes says like, I sent asked, how's the weather? And Diomedes says, it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, so they set this all up. Like, okay, this is gonna be fucking cool to watch. Right. I love this. Helios, Helios shows up. Uh, he, he just returned from, you know, battling with the uh, Ascomani and he's, he comes back on the bridge and he's got this big limp and he, he shows up and Lysander's there. You know, this is from Lysander's POV. You see him and he's and he's like, something something's not right. He puts his hand into the, the thing, right? Well, and Di- Diomedes, so, right, so, like, Lysander has that. But Diomedes is like, thank God Helios is here. He's like, <laughs> I don't want this fucking hand thing. Like, I don't want to be in charge. That's right. not my job. He's well, like, Helios he's has like, been in charge of this ship for, what, 40 years? Something yes. Like, like, this is his arm, the... It's not the sword armada, right? No, but no, it's, no. Like, it's, it's a dust armada, yeah. Yeah, the dust armada. The controls for this whole thing is is contained in this, like, you know, Nintendo Power Glove, right? Yeah, and I th- I, or I think, like, Infinity Stone Gauntlet, sure. right? That's, <laughs> that's, that's probably more uh, epic. <laughs> um, and when he slides his hand in there, right, then he can control the thing. And right now, Diomedes has it, but he has to transfer control. Yeah. Uh, I, I went back and listened to that part twice because I love this twist so much. And he's like spouting off codes, right? Like, like there's greens there being like, okay, what's the, you know, can you say the passcode? And, you know, <laughs> what's Helios the procedure? Like, what's the procedure? Yeah, Helios <laughs> is like, ah, oh, here's the code. What, you know, all the things, everything's going good. But the only thing that's a hint is his body language. And Lysander picks up on it. He's like, why is he hesitating? Why is he afraid to put his hand into the power glove? And, and then he does it. And then all hell breaks loose. Bolson Far appears on the screen, calls him All Father, and it's like, no, what's happened? And he says, he says, uh, that might be that. That's Helios's hand in the the power glove. That's that might even be Helios's face, but it's not Helios. Oh God, it's so yeah. awesome. <laughs> the uh, like the whole like I, I'm trying to think of any other time that that like wearing another person's skin has occurred in the series, like. Well, like, I mean, Darrow, technically, you could say. Um, when does Darrow do it? He doesn't wear someone else's skin. But oh, he's, he's, like, he's carved into he's, it. Like, he's, he's remade into yeah, he's something. Remade. I mean, he passes through the, the board of quality control. Yeah, he's, that's true. I, that was incredible that he could make it through that filter without them noticing that he was not gold. <laughs> yeah. The the only other time I could think is when Cassius wears, like, a mask in iron gold. Oh, that's right. So, 
So it like molds his face so that they so they so because the the people of the rim would recognize Cassius because yeah. he's fucking Cassius. Um, but like he's wearing that mask where like no one recognizes that it's it's him until he like takes it off. So I was trying to think of another time where that's used, but I also don't put it past fucking the Ascamian Atlas to well he to like be carved up uh, Helios. Helios is sitting there with like no limbs, right? He literally chopped off his own arm so that he could attach someone else's arm to it, right? Just crazy. Uh, yeah. And that was something else. That was something else that um, Lysander noticed, right? He's like said, like, oh, he noticed like the there was this seam in the middle of his arm, uh, where like the the flesh would like didn't match or something, um, and he didn't notice it till it was too late. Wow. Oh gosh, Wild. it's really it's it's yeah. such a good twist. I did not see that coming at all. They really he really set it up perfectly that like we we're gonna do this cool moon maneuver, and then it doesn't happen at all. Yes, I love Pierce Brown does that so well. <laughs> like being like, like because I love the way that the rising is uh, is written in yeah. this like because it's all Darrow's POV. Which once you get to the last books, like it's not that way. It's multi POV. Um, but like the way it's like, here's the plan, and then like. Right, like we don't know the plan, yeah, and then yeah, like yeah. the plan, and then so then you're like, okay, things are just happening, right? And then it's it's like, f- like comes in, shoots stuff, like <laughs> like it's like everything's going wrong, and then Daryl's like, but everything is going exactly as planned, you know? Like, and that's <laughs> I love so cool. that stuff. Dude. Yeah, I love that, and and <laughs> this twist is like that to the highest degree, I right? Because this is like Atlas is planning twelve years in advance, like to this moment. And at this point, right, like Lysander like I don't I'm not a fan of Lysander, but he seems like the the lesser of two evils, right? Yeah, he just ran away from Atlantia, who uh, as far as he knows, just poisoned him, right? Yeah. Um, he has has the Praetorians with him and stuff. Um, he's going to aid his um his greatest allies, the, the Rim, the Rim, yeah, against this threat that is pretty much unprecedented, which is the organized Ascomani, right? They seem like savages, based on what we've learned about them from Dark Age and how they took over or they you know killed Sephi and stole yeah. the um, uh, the Volk, right? So, yeah. you know, in in these in this realm here, between the three parties here, between the Ascomani, Atlantia, and Lysander, and the Rim. Lysander seems like, you know, the one smelling of roses at this point. He's yeah. got well, the, and he's like he, got the, the upper hand. So this is a devastating thing to happen at this part of the series. Like whole like that's it. Like, you know, these two, these giant armadas of ships are just freaking blown up. It's just destroyed in such a like unceremonious way. Yeah, it's like literally like the like the greatest fleet like in the solar system yes. like the rims technology is so far beyond everyone else's and for it to just suddenly cease to exist all in one fell swoop by fucking atlas like amazing um i will also in in lysander's pov at this point like he's still very much like the good guy yeah. right where it's like he does he like saves diomedes diomedes was gonna die if not for lysander like throwing him into the uh into the escape shuttle or escape pod and like shooting him out into space Yes. No, that was – yeah, that's also, like, a a huge part of it, too. To have Diomedes, like, suddenly picked up by the other side, too. Oh, man. The the, the, the careful maneuvering of characters. Yes. It's always so funny. It's like, how do we end up with these people together? But then you look back and you're like, it makes sense. It yeah, makes sense. Right. How does he yeah. – why does it make sense? But it makes sense. <laughs> 
I think that the like the best part, like the beginning of Lightbringer and like that middle section of Lightbringer, is so good. But th- from the moment that Lysander is like poisoned and then like goes to the rim to fight with the rim, is the best part of like the entire series. Like it's so fucking good. Uh, Every chapter is fire after fire after it's, fire because it essentially great. starts with like we're gonna moon jump to the to our, to like our home world to like, <laughs> defeat the Iskami and then like to be just fucking master class by atlas amazing oh, that's amazing awesome. i love i love that that's only number five um, <laughs> okay um, that's, uh number four i think it's your turn okay um my number four top four four moment of the rise is ragnar Valaris's death oh man so oh Okay, first of all, I like I, obviously it wasn't happening for you, but all of Ragnar and Volsung Fa is written in bold. Okay? <laughs> you know when they're speaking, okay? The context, they are obsidians, right? And they are just huge monsters bred for war that the golds use to just wipe out planets. And um and Ragnar is like a they're slaves as well, right? They're 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 servants to the golds. And Darrow in Morning's in no, in Golden Sun, right? He yes. he uh he frees Ragnar of his chains and says, "You can do whatever you want with your freedom, but this is what I'm doing, and if you want to join my cause, you have the choice to do so." And he, and he he's does. the first person he reveals that he's a red. Yeah, yeah. Even before Severo. Even though Severo mm-hmm. might know before Ragnar. He doesn't tell Severo until until after Ragnar. Yeah, so so Ragnar is this super pivotal character to darrow and and he's he's also like think the mountain right like he's just (laughs) this unkillable monster and does whatever darrow asks right and so anyway they end up on ragnar's like home world right which is before we get that because then he transforms right he becomes the shield right of of tmos right they they have that secret underground city where all of the red refugees are hiding and Ragnar becomes this hero of the rising. He becomes this symbol of like freedom and of like protection, right? And like he's he's more than just he's he's transcended past like this right beyond obsidian monster, right? right? He's, he's he's beyond just man at all, right? He is he's this symbol and like godlike figure to all these people. Um and he seems like a pivotal mo- part of this political structure that that darrow is is um assembling right he has the obsidians behind him he is a symbol that they could follow that they could follow easily because he used to be the best of them and now he's switched sides and, and shown that it's possible to do something else yeah so, well yeah and, and ragnar like in Morningstar, you learn more about the obsidian culture which is one of my favorite parts i think i think what the best parts of the series as much as i like heavy-handed war content um like i i love the stuff that happens before the wars and then like the repercussions of the wars right like the little interactions that you have between characters like there's the moment where there's not a war on phobos and it's just the meeting of like mustang and lysander right like so cool (laughs) love that stuff anyway um so you learn about the the history of the obsidians and and ragnar is like destined to lead these people off planet right for war right and and it's and it's the 
right? Like, it's like the seeds have been sown by golds, and it's all like Viking mythology, right? <laughs> Norse it's, it's mythology. It's all Norse, yeah. It's all Norse mythology. Like they, like they have gods stationed there, right? Which are golds, like just pretending to be Odin and like Freya. Yeah, but they have and, like, real these... freaking monsters in the oceans. <laughs> <laughs> they they do dragons and yes, dragons leviathans, and leviathans and all and, sorts yeah. of weird shit that, they, that people have made to like make it seem like they live in some sort of weird mythology mythology yes world. it's this frank it's this frankenstein monster Norse mythology world where ragnar is written into prophecy to lead these people to war right right and and on this planet like darrow's mission is essentially to recruit these people to to his cause to like help turn the tides of war and when they crash down on the planet with like fellow like with with uh it's like darrow and mustang and ragnar and and at this point in time like the tension between mustang and darrow is weird because like she knows he's a red but but he's been she's in already had a freaking kid and didn't tell him yes <laughs> right like like yeah there's so much there's so many layers to 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 their tension right yes. and uh, uh, holiday's there too i think Holiday is there, yeah, yeah. Who she's, uh, she's a gray who helped break him out of prison, right. right? Anyway, right. So like all this shit is happening, and then but Cassius and Aja Grimus are there, like crash. Like, is it Grimus or Grimace? Grimace. I don't believe you. I think it's Grimace. <laughs> <laughs> it's Grimace. Read like, it, like I the have shake. read it. Yeah. Okay. I have read it. Grimace shake. <laughs> oh my god. I guess the react. I guess like interacting with the with the grimace shake has the same results of interacting with any grimace family member. Um, it's death, right? And anyway, um, so they like crash land there and they're like hunting each other, but also being hunted by obsidians, right? Yes. Like these, other, the, not real Ascomanis. Ascomanis uh, in name only. Cannibal, yes. cannibal rogue obsidians that are roaming between, in the gulf, between right. the rim and the core um, who are t- you're taking down uh, like, like, they're like pirates. Eventually, there's a meetup where Ragnar and Mustang and, like, Darrow, Corner, Aja, and and Cassius and say, like, we can pretty much win the war right now if we take them out. And it's like a Cassius versus Darrow 1v1 and then, like, Aja versus, uh, like, Ragnar 1v1, which, like, I was convinced... Because Pierce Brown is so good at this. Like, I think I know what's going to happen, and then I don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> right? Where it's like, I I thought for sure it would have been, like, another layer to Cassius's arc of, like, def- if he were to defeat Ragnar, another representation of the Rising, right? Another, like, solid mm. figurehead, right? Because right, right, right. he killed he had, Fitchner, right, right, right. He killed Fitchner at this point, right? And so, uh, uh, so like, killing Ragnar, and then Darrow to defeat Aja, which would be like two of the best fighters that there is, but so that's what I thought was gonna happen. But that's not what happens. What happens is Aja fucking kills Ragnar on his homeworld planet, and Darrow defeats Cassius and again in one-on-one combat um, with the help of Mustang. She yes, just shoots him with she an shoots arrow, him from afar, um, which is which is great. Um, yes. Do you remember what uh, Darrow says, or Darrow like Darrow? I think reminisces or something. He remembers Lorne's words before he goes down there to fight Aja. You remember what what, uh, what he what he says? I mean, I like uh, like an the easy gut trivia answer is going to be death begets death begets death. No, he, well that is good. But no, he says never fight a river, never fight Aja. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, because Aja is a student of Lorne too, right? Yeah, she's They're the greatest. Like... She's the greatest Fraser Master of all time. Yes, yeah. <laughs> ah, she's so cool. Um, Literally, like this is like my life. Ever since I started reading this series, I just randomly like so I'm, I'm just sitting there quietly, and then I go, Ah, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't help myself. Yeah, I, I did. I totally get that. Um, uh. Uh, some added context to like Ragnar's death. Uh, I was actually on my way to Denver, to, like for like a guy's trip, and I was I read this chapter on a plane, and I was like, my tears were like falling onto my Kindle, and I was like, <laughs> and I was like sitting in between two people, and I was like trying to hide that I was crying my eyes out. <laughs> it's really funny, <laughs> but uh, like that you're so right. You said this a lot a lot earlier, but it's like it's it. I'm embarrassingly committed to this yeah yeah it's true so true um but yeah and and so anyway ragnar's death like creates this huge tension in in the world and and now darrow who's supposed to go there with ragnar child of prophecy to change the tides of war now lost his key to the or his last piece to the puzzle right yes and and has to figure out a new way to change the tides of war and pretty much Ragnar's, I, I wish I could have had the quote, but I, this was a Libby one and I couldn't get it on time. Um, but I mean, pretty much Ragnar's like last words to Daryl were like, continue the cause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, well, he, well, he's, well, he, he didn't reach for his razor, right? He reached for Sefi's hand and Sefi yeah. is meant to carry on the legacy onward, but she's not Ragnar at all. She's right. She's Sefi the quiet. She's supposed Sefi the wise. She's, um, uh, you know, very she's related to him right she's her his sister sister but she is very different from him and 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 it never feels like darrow and sefi ever quite see eye to eye the way that ragnar and darrow do and although she becomes like i think she gets initiated into the howlers and and all of that right she's part of that like inner circle that darrow has eventually that that crumbles um in iron gold and and she and she goes off to try to win mars for herself um, and honestly, good honor for trying, right? Uh, but it's it, 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 at that point, like they lose something really big. And what's amazing about this is that Ragnar's death is still a huge part of the story. Like the, him dying and what he meant or what he could have been or what he represented is still being utilized by both sides of the conflict to manipulate the like the the beliefs of everyone Volson Far Volson Far he's like I'm you know I'm the father of Ragnar right yeah. that's why you should follow me um you know this is Ragnar's dream just like it's Eo's dream to build the republic right this is why the obsidians need to save us and, and invoking that Darrow's presence on um on, on Io right uh, and, mm-hmm. and bringing the Volk back into the fold is largely because of his relationship with with Ragnar it's incredible like to have this person weaved into the story so beautifully and even though he's dead having that like echoes of him like continuing to 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 resonate outward it's awesome uh, it's yes. really strong writing so yeah top top it's a it's number four for me but it's a top five moment we're doing we're doing great you know <laughs> i think we're spending about 10 minutes on each of these whatever <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the point Okay, my, I, 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 number four, 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 four. Is Lyria taking down the red hand? Ah, oh, so cool. <laughs> so cool. 
Love uh, I have to put a Lyria thing in here. I think she's great. Underrated character, in my opinion. I, I keep wondering why she's around and then like it all like if I if I think about it like critically for even 10 seconds it all comes clear again you know she is this representation of what Daryl left behind she is a yeah. red in like as fully red as possible and only only her that's only someone like her with her exact like story up to this point would be someone that could do what she did to take down the red hand Nobody else would have been successful in the way that she was. Um, and it's uh, so it's frankly amazing to see that like arc sort of conclude with her uh, being able to avenge her family and finally take down um, Harmony um, yeah. in, a, in a way that I felt was very appropriate. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Lyria. I like all the stuff that she's in. I think it makes sense that she's on the Archimedes, right? I think it makes sense the way she lines up with Victra and, and, um, and sorry, what's her name? Volga. Uh, Volga. And, like, having... Daughter of Ragnar. Right. She's all... <laughs> she, they get, her as, like, a, a player in this story makes so much sense. And I really like how he's, he's brought her into this and uh, how she's risen through the ranks and eventually becomes such a close confidant of Darrow because of her actions. It's not just the stuff that happens to her, right? It's also because she has made decisions at key moments in her life that led her to being where she is today. Um, and it's, it's awesome seeing that like play out and be rewarded. And yeah, I, I, I like that you said that because I felt like a lot in Iron Gold, she was just dragged to the next thing, right? Like she was like, you know, like all that harmony blew up her hometown, and 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 she was like brought by um, Kavix. The uh, yeah, Kavix Telemannus. You know, um, <laughs> his, this 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 guy. You know, he like puffs his chest out. Anyway, um, she, he like you know takes her from there and is like, let's go to Luna, and then then she's at Luna, and then like a fr she meets up with a frame, and a frame kind of like drags her along to the, to to like you know stealing uh darrow's children yes right and um <laughs> and and like darrow slash severo's children um and and she's kind of like constantly dragged along at least in iron gold and then in dark age i feel like is when she finally starts making decisions and that's when crazy shit starts happening like being possessed by an ai slime monster <laughs> i still don't understand what's gonna happen with that or if that's even gonna come back i don't know um <laughs> Because okay, I, I thought that that's, like, what leveled her up, right? I like, disagree she... with you on oh. the um, lack of agency from Lyria and Iron Gold. Because the reason she gets – the reason why she gets to Luna and, and taken under the the Telemannus' wing is because she saves Kavix's life. Nobody oh, true. Else yeah, yeah. Nobody okay. else even moves. She goes in there and pulls a freaking guy in, in huge armor out of a – out of like a the pond, mud, out of the mud, pit, keeps right? him from from drowning, yeah. and then um, he's she golden suns him, and then and then after F, uh, it's pronounced Ephraim uh, according to the series, so that's it's like, a frame, a frame, okay? and and a frame, a frame, a i m aim, a frame. I know, I I didn't know how it was spelled at all. This is this is the disconnect <laughs> we have is that you know how everything's spelled and I know how everything's pronounced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, um, when Ephraim uh, uh, recruits her, right, he chooses her specifically because of her 
um, isolation. Because of the backstory that she had, because of the tragedy that she experienced, she is selected as the most vulnerable part of that of that mm. thing. But after she survives the crash, right, and Ephraim doesn't kill her, she instead of running away, she does the hardest thing possible, which is finds the sovereign and tells her that she was involved in the kidnapping of her children. Like the, the bravery involved in that and in that, in what she says to, to uh, Mustang at that point, right. Where she asked her, why did she come back? Why did she do this? That was, that was probably the most tear jerking moment for me. She says like, I don't want my nephew to live in fear. I don't want to, I don't want him to believe that I was a traitor or that I, you know, was only looking out for myself, right? I wanted him to. I want him to know that I did the right thing when the when the chance came, um, because that's what's most important. Uh, what an amazing um, like reflection of Darrow's own values and, and Virginia's yeah. own values, right? The idea of living for more, the idea that your life is worth um, is, is not worth your own honor, right? Uh, incredible, and it's just amazing to see that come through, and that action is rewarded over and over again for Lyria, right? She gets becomes more and more trusted by the rising and the people in charge of it and and eventually makes her way to, you know, being kidnapped by Victor. <laughs> yeah, she I mean, she does have I was just hating on her a little bit. And you I feel like you have redeemed her entirely. Um like I I do like totally respect her arc though. Like the she has a line in Lightbringer where it's like it's like I like I wish my like I was with my family right now because I'm literally sitting among gods. Yes. Like she was like, we would pretend to be these people in our living room, you know, by the, by the fire that was like, and our living room was like four feet by four feet, you know, like, like this tiny place. And, and now I'm sitting scheming with how to change the tides of war with the people that we were pretending to be. So cool. It's awesome. Um, I mean, it's just the, that's the promise that this. And, and, and her, and like, we've kind of like totally gone away from it, but her infiltration into like defeating the red hand is so fucking howler. dude. Like that is everything a howler is meant to be. It's like, so great. Able, she gets yeah, that... to be able to infiltrate the base and like get the like free people. She has to convince she... all these people to like, that they're to risk their lives, you know, like, like you like, she's like, this is the deal. And you guys are in big trouble, but you have one opportunity you have one chance to change the change this around, and here it is. So you better take it, you know. And she like beats that one girl up to like to emphasize that she like like how serious she is. Um, yeah. Then then she like pretends to be like you know she does she plays the game so well. Eventually gets that guy alone and like spits acid on him. Is yeah. able to. Oh my god! Is yeah, able she to, spits acid on him. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Does. I forgot. She she goes and uh, rescues Volga and Victra and, and Victra yeah oh my God Victra uh, like unleashed killing yeah. all those people right uh, it makes me like it makes me groan with pleasure um, and <laughs> also so like awesome. the most like also the most like graphic like thing that I've ever read which is like Victra's baby like being killed by the oh red hand God, right like horrible uh, but yeah i was like okay well if i'm with Lyria, if i'm watching lyria's point of view it's just the worst thing possible is gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what i took oh, away man. from that i was like mm. yes yeah oh my god i was well i was glad victra wasn't killed i was i was like i, was I like, love victra i, I mean love her so much. like she she's like part of like the like the core five right like i like i like i feel so yeah 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 because uh, right because it's it's a uh, like mustang Severo. Darrow, Victra, and Cassius, right, right are like the big five. 
Uh, they've been in the story from the very beginning to now. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, Still alive. I love, I love that. Okay. Still alive. Um, that was number four. Oh, my God. Okay, number three. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't even know if I want to talk about number three. <laughs> number three. Big, big, big number, number, number three. Pick number three, my lord, is the Breath of Stone, which is Darrow versus Volsung Fa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, yes. Okay. I'm so Clang. glad that you brought that up. Confess. I know that you. I know that you aren't a Game of Thrones guy, <laughs> but this is the Mountain versus the Viper, if I've ever seen it. Okay, like build up to a. Like, a fight that you didn't know was going to happen, but where both sides are equally invested. And, like, and like the in the Mountain Viper fight, Oberyn Martell even has, like, a, like a clang, 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 confess, right? Okay. He's like, he's like, you raped her, you murdered her, you killed her children. And he keeps repeating that and, like, keeps, like, you know, stabbing him. And, uh, anyway, Darrow's so cool. Like, this is, because up until this point, like, Iron Gold and Dark Age Darrow in terms of his razor ability is pretty weak right like he is bested by plenty of well actually oh don't you remember his 38 hour like fight (laughs) after he'd been awake for six days yes he was like he like he had no obsidians and he was making up for it on his own protecting he was tired of heliopolis god damn this guy's amazing (laughs) (laughs) okay you're right you're right um and I guess Lysander did beat him on the end of like this that journey that he well, was Lysander on. Lysander was on was a uh, had had the advantage of jousting experience. True. Okay. Because it was a joust. It wasn't really it was like one on one razor combat. Anyway. And Lysander's slippery and tricky. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, at at this point in the Lightbringer story, how about that? Okay. At this point in the Lightbringer story, like Darrow is a shell of the Reaper. Right. Yes. He's he's not the like the promised one to save everyone. Well, what, um, does, what does Apollonius say to him? They'll call me Apollonius the Vulture, right? Because he wasn't able to defeat Darrow at his peak, right? Where is where right. is the Reaper? Yeah, where is the Reaper, right? And and so, so on their journey from Mars yes. all the way to the Rim, like Cassius and like Darrow train to like rebuild his his foundations, right? Because he's too comfortable in the Willow's way. He, he, people have literally studied for years to defeat him specifically that, yes. right? Like, like they're like, we know how to beat the Willow's way. It's pretty easy. Um, and so Darrow has to like discover this new way to fight, but he doesn't even do it until this fight is happening. Also, this fight is the first, like at least the breath of stone chapter specifically is like the first time in a while where it's like just kind of Darrow's POV, right? Like, there's not really like, oh, and Cassius is doing that over there. Or like Lyria's and Severo are over here. It's like Darrow versus Volsung Fa in a vacuum, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it's so cool to like be back inside the head of the guy where it's like, I don't know the plan. He knows the plan. And it seems like everything's going wrong, but everything is actually going right, you know? And Darrow kind of, it kind of reminds me of Demon Slayer where like, it's just this moment in time where it's like, I because I thought Daryl was screwed, honestly. Like I, I, even though I knew that it couldn't happen, you know, you're always like, I was like hiding behind the pillow, like. <laughs> um, but like, 
Because especially, as, dude, Joey, especially when he's like, clang, 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 confess, right? I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, Oprah and Martell got got, you know, spoilers. <laughs> um, but, like, I thought that that was possible, too. Anyway, and Volsong Fa also is, like, he's the new Ragnar Valaris, right? Even, like, like Lysander calls him the, the Darrow of the Obsidians. Sure, sure. Right? Like, the prophesied the, the constructed prophesy, uh, you know, Messiah, yes. Yes, right? And and to save the, to, like, gather the Obsidians and, and bring them to their cause and win war, right? And so this is, a like, one of the biggest challenges Darrow has in this book is this fight and defeating Volsung Fa in the fashion that he did where he does get him to confess. Amazing. Also, the callback, okay? The callbacks to, like the way that they burst out of the leviathan like they've been inside like they were swallowed by a giant sea creature because they knew the obsidians would catch it right and and then they catch it and like start eating it because that's like what their rituals cause for and and then for like darrow and his like severo and some other howlers to like bust out of the leviathan and cause havoc it's just like in red rising when they were like hiding in horses right exactly and then, like and surprising them that way amazing amazing it's, it's totally love classic color shit Oh yeah. my gosh! Yes, so much about this is is amazing. Uh, uh, all the things you've you've already mentioned, uh, uh, evoking Ashgar, right? Having him painted Ashvar, Ashvar, sorry. Ashvar, Ashvar. Sorry, I I couldn't. Yep, there you go. Pronunciation. That's okay. Uh, no, 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 no. I just remember how it's spelled. You're, you're right. You're definitely <laughs> right. Um, uh, invoking the Ashvar and like having his his himself painted, and then having that actually come out later when. Uh, Fa is uh, is uh, escaping or trying to run away, and he keeps running into other obsidians, and they're like, uh, "Are you in Ashvar right now?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yes." Love he's, that. He's like, "Yeah." Right, carry on, my good sir. Yes, <laughs> he's good. like, "Have a good time." You know? <laughs> I love a good Ashvar. <laughs> yeah, not gonna get in the way of that. Um, uh, the whole thing where like they're both in full armor, right? Um, so like, Darrow has that God Killer armor that he got from Quicksilver, which is the greatest armor oh. he's ever seen. Yes. Love that. And then Balsam Fars incredible spike armor. That's, that's, that's like all the poison tips yes. that he has on it. But, right? but Darrow like, has a, a counter for that because he, he knows that the like the Askamani used poison. So he's already yep. analyzed that and, and come up with a solution for it. Ah, man. Well, and, and just the whole like cultivating of Ashvar, right? Like calling yes. upon it. Like Darrow... Yes, like, you know, because like, because like, Volsung Fa has been in this culture for so long, but for Darrow to like still know more about it and like what the Obsidians would respect more out of this, chef's it's, kiss, uh, Darrow. Uh, it's it's just it's a uh, the face <laughs> making. Yeah, I totally it's get like, that. It's so it's so incredible because not only is it the coolest thing that you could possibly do coming out of a Leviathan, right? And, and being like, I challenge your leader to, you know, ritual combat. Um, it also, like, makes narrative sense because these are people steeped in religion and tradition. And so yes. him coming out of it is not just like, oh, this is an aesthetically great choice. It is a politically smart move because he's like, I am invoking their greatest religious, like, fervor. I, I am acting as if I am a... Um, a, an omen from the gods because I recognize that when I do this they're going to think that you know Valhalla is shining upon them and that Volsenfar is being called to and tested by the gods themselves when I appear you know it, it, incredible and it just, it just adds to the tension of the whole thing 
Right. Uh, what about, also what, about how he, what about how he can't fly? How he if he if he goes into the air, Fa will spear him because he'll like be off balance or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he has so to like cool. strategically because because immediately Volsong Fa starts running and yes. he's like in the air. He right? has a giant freaking saw. <laughs> um. The. <laughs> Like, yeah. Also, the context up to this point, too, is so amazing because Volsung Fa is more than just Volsung Fa here, right? Like, like there is truth. Clang, 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 confess, right? Like, tell the people that you are not Volsung Fa yeah, yeah, and yeah. that you are fucking, like, right-hand man. Yeah, you're right-hand man Atlas's puppet, right? Like, you've been placed here specifically to betray these people that you're leading, right? I'm here to save them admit it you know like and 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 i'm gonna beat you in combat which was seemingly impossible exactly uh, nobody yeah. thought it was possible he was he's so terrifying he's so huge um yes yeah uh, so another small so cool. thing that i really like from this fight is how cassius is in the sidelines like giving directions he's like he's like <laughs> showing circles to darrow and then severo is off killing gorgons because like he has them set up Fa has him set up on the top, like snipers, ready to take Darrow out. But yeah. Severo already anticipated that and is already up there taking, killing them and howling. Oh, gosh. That's yeah, so cool. freaking great. This is just such a great example of the oppression of the society being used against it, right? Something I appreciate so much about this series is just how ironic everything is, right? Darrow becomes gold, but he is so much better than all the other golds he is the most he is an iron gold in the like traditional sense he is like the pure embodiment of what gold should be when as written right even though he is the one tear literally tearing the society apart he is still the like the epitome of what gold tries to be and the same thing is true in this moment the uh, the system of oppression and like belief in religion that the obsidians follow so closely is so easily exploited by someone who understands it to the degree that Darrow does, right? He's like, okay, I have this demagogue here. I have this guy who seems like he's you know, a demagogue, a demigod, I should say. Someone who seems like he's ordained from heaven, right? How do I defeat him, not just in ritualistic combat, but also show that he is like not what he says he is, right? It's all of these things together tied up, right? He's not showing up in like as he's not showing up trick in some sort of trickery, right? He's not he's not uh, spearing a fall through the chest in the back or or you know poisoning his food or anything like that. He's he's coming down to wreck the system, playing by the system's rules. Um, and I think that's like it's a really really like well constructed idea to have a society that's built like this, but has like all these cracks in it that your characters get to exploit because it shows like a depth of understanding that I think is is often missed when you're trying to go with this like utopian ideal. The um <clears throat> the one last thing I'll bring up too is that um like Darrow does like we'll call pull an atlas where he he doesn't kill Volsung Pa, right? Yes. Like he he's like someone else needs to do it and you guys can vote on that. He's like, you guys figure this out and, and declare a leader, right? And essentially, Volga does it, right? Which is like Ragnar's daughter. Another extension <laughs> Another Ra- of prophecy, Ragnar, right? Yeah. Yes. Another Ragnar, like, plug. But he essentially replaces the Obsidian leader with his own little, little, you know? Yep. Like, just places someone in charge. Someone that will follow him into battle. Amazing. Amazing. It is. Okay. Number three, three, three.
greatest moment from the Red, Red Rising series is... Our first meeting with Quicksilver. So this is the... Okay, there's a line here, one that is pro pro probably my favorite line from the entire series. Wow. Um, it, where... Darrow and Severo are disguised. They walk into the room and um, they see um, Quicksilver seated at a table. And Darrow says, six golden knights sit at the table and I know them all. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so great. <laughs> um, so I, this is, <clears throat> sorry, right. you keep going. Just keep going. Um, Mustang, Cassius, uh, Daxo, and Cavex, right? The Death Knight and Myra. Uh, are all sitting at the table. Um, just, just a small thing. Um, I love the ironic uh, use of Olympic Knights in this series. Uh, the Death Knight, the moment you meet him, is killed with a rat <laughs> with a <laughs> with a razor through the skull, like thrown by Ragnar, like a javelin. Incredible. Um, also, uh, when they're doing the um, uh, when they're when they're taking out Octavia, right? When they're when when they're actually defeating the society at the end of Morningstar. Um, the truth knight is, is, is present and Cassius lies to Octavia saying that he's not there to help Darrow or something. And the truth knight rolls his eyes <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't, because he has so, something inherent in him, believe, like says like, this is over the top. This is stupid or whatever, but it's not <laughs> enough for him to act on it. A fucking amazing. <laughs> wow. Oh gosh, and then of course Atlas is like you know the fear knight, but he embodies fear in a great way. But anyway, uh, that was that's a small little thing. As they're approaching this meeting, they're climbing up the spires outside of uh, on Phobos, right? And they can see Mars rising above them. And this is like an incredible. Oh, I love this moment so much. Darrow is staring at Mars, like wow, this is incredible. It's sort of like the you know this pale blue dot moment or, or like when astronauts are on the moon looking at earth being like, what, like look at the earth. Like it's so small and delicate where it is hanging, you know, just, just below me. And Darrow sees it. He's like, for a moment, there's peace. You know, I can see like all of the war that I've, I've, that I've been waging is, is not visible from up here. Right. And we seem so small. And then <laughs> atomic bombs start going off on the surface of Mars and, he's, and he can see them from from the surface of Phobos. He's like, "Holy shit! Oh, holy <laughs> fuck! What have I done?" Ah! <laughs> oh my god, dude! Amazing. Then, yeah, then, then, then they meet like they meet a uh, a, a red that helps them like lure in, and they, they get kind of an idea of like what's going on. Uh, th that's a whole other part of it. But then the fight between all of the, the, the Golden Knights, they don't know that it's Severo and the Howlers and Darrow. They all think Darrow is dead because they got a doppelganger to wear his face and then murdered him. Um, yep. Uh, Mustang is fighting. Uh, 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 before they get to the fight, but right before the fight breaks out, Darrow like opens up his comm and says, Mustang, it's me. And But nobody freaking hears him. And they all start fighting each other. And then he has this moment where he's like, Whole, like again holy shit what have i done all of these people are in this room talking having this fight because of darrow and he knows that like this is why they're all here it's the, the, the only thing that connects them the only thing that could possibly save this moment is if he is the one that brings them together um again like resonating with like the power that he has and the the destruction that he's wrought 
he fights Mustang. Mustang headbutts him <laughs> and breaks his helmet and then sees his face. Oh my god, dude. Uh, yeah. And then, th- and this, then, yeah, go ahead. This is an amazing moment, too, because this is this is classic where you're like, like you you're like, I think I have a good grasp of what's going on here. And then they like open the door and it's like six golden knights and quicksilver are all together. You're like, <laughs> Fuck, dude. We're supposed to just infiltrate this and get this one guy. Yes. You know. And and then, but it turns out that. That, uh, that Quicksilver was in on it the whole time he, and that Severo was actually technically invited to this meeting and that he was supposed to be part of this because Quicksilver was the one who funded the Rising and, yes. and Mateo was uh, Darrow's teacher probably one of his most influential people the, one of the reasons why Darrow is such a good gold is because of Mateo so all of this is uh, you know tied up in this in this moment here and um, you know I, I just I, I just absolutely loved it I loved the violence of it I loved the the implications of it I loved how everything the paradigm shifts so quickly you know well there's also speaking of paradigm shifting this is also when like like because at this point in time Severo is leading the resistance That's right. right like he's he's, he's, Ares. he's 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 Ares right and and even though Ares was always in charge, it was like Darrow was the face of the rebellion, right? right? Like the Reaper of Mars. And um, Darrow, like, it was one of those moments kind of like where the early stages of Lightbringer where it's like, is he back though, right? Like, is this the same person? And Darrow takes control and he says, this is what we're doing. Slag that. And leads them. Yeah, he slagged that. Let's let's blow ourselves into space. (laughs) You know? It's so cool. cool. He's like, like, if we blow ourselves into space, we'll have approximately one minute and 10 seconds Uh, until we all die. What a cinematic moment where he's like, I wasn't thinking about all the things that were going on. Instead, I was thinking about my instructor at the academy about what happens to the human body when it's exposed to the vacuum <laughs> and he's oh like his whole body starts to inflate <laughs> yes oh my god oh my god so cool love that moment i love that that's in there it's good um it's very good and that's just a reminder of like how awesome morningstar is because that was like i was deep deep in the universe oh yeah um okay all right so that was your number three that's you have anything favorite. else Any- okay no- number two, two. is the end of Golden Sun, which is the Jackal's betrayal. The triumph! Oh, Darrow's triumph! The triumph! Yes. The, like, like, first of all, the war on Mars was intense, okay? Oh my like, god, the Iron Rain. A lot dude. of shit happens, yeah. The, your, yeah, your first time experiencing an Iron Rain, like, as it, like, is happening is so cool, dude. Like, just, like, dudes being shot from space, and, like, it's, like, it reminds me of, like, Halo 3, like, ODST shock drop troopers or whatever right but they but they come in on like a ship these dudes just shoot out like out of like the ship bullets. right They're like bullets um and they just come in and they have to like fly their way in and land and and, and like just do battle anyway so darrow wins mars right he he conquers he, mars conquers mars uh and they're having like the parade that is like yes we've done it like the the rising is, like, is whispering in his ear you are but a mortal man Yes, and uh, and and that's when all the alliances that Darrow has made, uh, like like all turn on their heads, and he starts realizing all the shit that's happening, and he's like betrayed instantly. Like like the jackal hands him like he's like open your gift, you know, and he like opens it up, and it's and it's fucking Fitchner's head, who you just found out is is like the leader of the Rising, right? Like he's Ares. Oh my god! Like I got to the end of Golden Sun, and I was like. 
like I was I was like I have to I I gotta read the next one right now. Like, I couldn't wait any longer. It's such a fucking good cliffhanger. So good. Oh, it's so amazing. Such a good cliffhanger. It's 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 like ev- like I I've read a decent amount of books so far this year. Out of all the cliffhangers, it's the best one. It's um oh, by gosh. far. Because uh, cause it ends on a note that is just tied up so well. Because you're like, what the fuck is going to happen next? Like, <laughs> he won Mars, but it didn't mean anything. Yes, I know. And then, like, because Lauren gets killed by Aja. And then and this is when Victra, like, really shows that she was so dedicated to him this whole time. Up to this point, he never trusted her, right? He was like, yeah. He, he, she kept showing up and, like, hitting on him and, like, giving him, like, favors well, and it's, stuff. Well, it's, it's from, it's because of her, Antonia her ties is to such her a family, bitch. right? <laughs> yeah, it's the, t- the ties to her family, right? Because yeah. this is, like, deep, uh, like, th- this is, a, are they a Martian family or are they, are they a Mercurian family? Oh, I don't know. Vi- is Victra a Wrath? Is no, that, she's Julia. Julia, okay. She's Julia, anyway. which I don't know. They're, they're, like, they had a bunch of the mines. They I they owned that, tons of industry. They were like they were very rich, but I don't remember which which you know uh, I, which uh, sphere they're <clears> from. My gut tells me that it's Mars, only because uh, like they were all in the institute together. Like they're all Martian families, right? Well, Antonia was right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um. Uh. Anyway, but it's like her ties to her family is like this person could betray me at any point, right? And I can't trust her because I can't. Even though he's made bonds with these other people who he can trust. I mean, this is all part of the, like, amazing political scheming that's happening in this series. Where it's like, who can I trust actually? And and, and the two people that he does kind of trust actually are the ones to betray him, <laughs> right? Like, like Roke betraying him? Oh, betrayal, dude. Dude, like, Roke, come not on, cool. Roke. Back the wrong horse. Uh, I really liked Roke, too. Oh, gosh. But, but yeah, it, it. I mean, it's all it's all telegraphed. It's all it's all there. You know, that's what's so great about it. Like, first of all, I mean, Golden Sun as a whole, I like way better than Red Rising. Yeah. Like, I liked Rising a lot, but but Golden Sun was such a great second book. Like, so much better. Um, and, like it, it it has so many epic moments, and it ends on one of the best cliffhangers ever, which forces you to read the next one. Which would then after that, you're like. I gotta read the next one. You know, like it just keeps <laughs> just have to know. Spir- it, have yeah, to know. it just keeps spiraling. It keeps spiraling, and and Golden Sun is such a good like. Uh, it, I mean, it feels like the Dark Knight of this universe, right? Where it's like so, like just such a good sequel. It's it's hard to find really good sequels like that. Well, that's I mean, that's the strength of a good sequel, right? Is it builds on what it was before. It doesn't have to do as much legwork anymore, and then you can just kind of play in this universe. So yeah, it yeah. does a really good job of like expanding the world. And introducing new things and raising the stakes. I mean, immediately, right? Darrow kills so many people in the institute, and then immediately, yeah. the very like the very first scene of Golden Sun, he kills eight hundred people because his ship goes down, and he's just like, yeah. that's just what has to happen, I guess, because whatever." Because um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, somebody on the Red Rising subreddit posted this. It said, "I just finished Golden Sun. What should I tell my girlfriend when she asks what's wrong?" <laughs> and, I, and I commented, ask her if she would ever betray you to uphold the hierarchy despite the bonds you formed in the Institute. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah. End of Golden Sun. So epic. Um, I, I also, like, crafted... This was at a time when I was, like, deep into, like... I made a whole Spotify playlist that I read that I listen to while I read. I don't always do it, but sometimes I do. Like, what I'm... When, when I'm in like a public, pl- like if I'm in a coffee shop yeah. or if I'm, um, if I'm like on a plane traveling in any way, like that's when I listen to it. It's transcended to the point that I just listen to this playlist, like on the regular, my Spotify wrapped is totally fucked. Um, but 
there's like po- there there are moments where I'm listening to a song and I'm like, oh, this is that moment. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And and I love those because it's like these epic crescendos, you know, like that are just like happening. That's really anyway. great. That's really that's uh, awesome. You tie it together like that. I love that. Yeah. Okay, that was number two, right? That was number two. My number two, two greatest moment from the Red Rising series is. Darrow returning to Lycos with Mustang. Amazing. I like, this is one of those moments where I, like when I was doing my ranking, I can't believe I like forgot it. Like, I like, cause when, when we were like, when you had mentioned ranking stuff, I just started blurbing out. I was just like, this was cool. This was cool. This was cool. This was cool. I feel like this one, I, I like, maybe I, I like forgot about. I, I remember reading it at work and like having to like, again just i mean i've already said it wasn't for but like for like ragnar's death but like show people at work that i'm not trying to hide that you're crying i'm like i'm like don't look at me you know like because um like i mean you're i know you're about to like spiel on it but like hit like him going home is so like the journey that he's been on to this point um, well the fact that he never thought he would make it back here you know what i mean yeah right like he thought he was leaving forever and and i think well it's not clear whether or not um, her name is Diana, right? Her, whether or not her, his mother um, knew he was alive or not, uh, he has yeah. an idea. He kind of gets a hint that maybe she did, because his uncle was involved in his um, Nero was was involved in the uh, the escape, right? Of his fake of his faking of his death. So and Nero's involved uh, just in the rising yes, in yes. general, right? He's always that's why he like disappeared, right? Right, right, right. right. But but um, it wasn't clear whether or not his mother was was privy to that information or not. So Darrow believes, at least, that his mother thought he was dead. He never, he never really expected to come back here because why would yeah. he, right? Um, right. He, he has to maintain. Well, it's like he this, doesn't really think that he was going to be able to conquer Mars. Right. He right? maintained like that, that's, this that's idea. That's what it took. He has to maintain this idea that he is gold, and that, and therefore, you know, he would never, you know, fraternize with Reds for any reason. So why, you know, why would he turn to this specific mine at this specific time and you know see this specific place, whatever? Um, he so. It's really, it's a really heart wrenching moment, you know. He's there, and and his mother somehow recognizes him and still treats oh, him the yeah. same way. When we, yeah, when he like enters the home and she's like, "My son," yeah, you know, you're like, "Oh, I can't," because like, because at this point, you, I mean, you're with Darrow, right? Yeah. You're you are like, you know, he he thinks that she probably thinks that he's dead, right? Like, uh, and how would she react, right? He's right, become right, one yeah. of the slavers. He's become a a master, right? Yeah, he's the evil. Exactly. He is a representation of that evil. Will will she understand? And I, I mean, that's another thing that I, I appreciate so much about this series is that it's so clear to our characters who the what the enemy is and what's at stake, right? Uh, Darrow fraternizes. Darrow uh, lives in Augustus's house. You know. He's, he falls in love with his daughter, despite the fact that he blames him specifically for his wife's death, right? But he recognizes that this is the most powerful person on Mars. If I align myself with him, then I'll be that much closer to defeating him in a meaningful way, not in a way where he just gets replaced by the next, you know, dictator. Yeah. And recognizing that, recognizing that his petty revenge is not important, right? Is, uh, is incredible. And you see that same kind of depth of understanding from his mother in this moment, recognizing that he, despite him being gold, he has not betrayed who he once was, right? And that's something that, that 
that uh, is a constant question here is, is like, where is Darrow fall in that spectrum? Is he more red than gold? Is he more gold than red? And, and does, has he lost his way? Has he um, forgotten who he was or, or, what, or what was important to him? And, you know, when you're in his head, it seems everything seems perfectly logical. But especially during Dark Age, he starts to veer into that, you know, warlord thing. He starts to believe his own myth more and more. And it's not until he ends up having to kill Orion that he, like, ends up switching back. And after he leaves Mercury and is defeated by Apollonius, that he ends up having to find a different way to build his soul, right? But in this moment, it's everything's on the line. Will his mother accept him? And then will Mustang accept him? You know, because on the other side, she's at the other. She's on the other side of this. That if she finds out that he's red, will she, um, you know, still want to be with him? And and this is the this, the same thing is true in this moment as at the end of Red Rising, with with Mustang, anything is possible. He could literally conquer the galaxy. Without her, he's dead. It, there's 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 it's just as simple as that. Her being there, and uh, him. Like believing he can trust her, nobody else did. Severo didn't believe it. Ragnar didn't believe it. But him believing he can trust her and going on the limb was the only move he had left. Right? It was the only thing that was important at that point. Because especially for me, I was so racked with guilt. You know, I was like, "No, you gotta tell Mustang. He has to tell her. He has to tell." Her. But but yeah. no. But what if he tells her and right, she says no? You know, she's an Augustus. Yeah. She's not just fucking peerless. You know, she's a she's in, a slated to inherit an entire fucking planet. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Like, how could she possibly, you know, be with him? So uh, I, I, I love the tension here. I love that he goes to his knees. I love that he can't even face her. You know, he has to show her the carving in another room and, and leaves. And like, once you watch it come out and see me, he, he, he can barely like take the, the, the suspense there. And, um, and then when she just leaves it, without an answer, it's like, what does that mean? What does it mean? You know? Because uh, because everything you believe up to up to this point is that Mustang will accept him and Mustang will follow him, right? But what does that mean for her? What is she giving up if she does that? And you know, um, like maybe maybe she does have maybe her heart is with Daryl, but maybe ultimately it's not the politically smart move. We saw that she was with Cassius because that was the smart the politically smart move. She's very savvy in that re- arena. So will she follow her heart? You know, will she follow what she believes in, or will she you know go the safe route? Ah. Yeah, I. <clears throat> the thing about Virginia too is is like, cause the, I mean this book is, all these books are just filled with betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? yes. And, and she seems to be the only one who never does. But there's so many moments where she could, like, she could ruin everything, right? Um, it's like even at the end when it, when it was like, you know, she, he sent like her off to defeat uh, the jackal yes. to go claim victory. And in the meantime, and he like, finds out. He's her twin, and he finds out that they're twins, and it's like, fuck! I've just ruined, I've I've ruined everything. But she still believes in Darrow, and and brings home the win, right? And same same kind of situation here, where it's like, you're laying it all out on the line for this one person, but she could still betray you. Like, it's still that that card is still on the table. Yeah, but like, and it, what choice does he have? You know, because at this point, right. he's gone as far as he possibly can without telling her. You know, she knows he's hiding something. She knows that. That, uh, that something's not right, you know, and at a certain point she's gonna he's gonna end up losing her because he's not honest with her, and yeah, she and there's no there's absolutely no way he's gonna be successful without her help, you know, whether even if she was just apathetic to him, there's he would die in in seconds, you know, they would it would take him out. She's so much smarter, she's so much more like politically 
agile, right? She's a master of the dancing mask, all of that, right? She has an awareness and depth of understanding of the political history of this society that nobody else like is even close to. There's, she is a, she is the strongest ally he can possibly have. Um, and so it makes sense to trust her, but it's also laying everything on the line. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Love this moment. I, I'm, I'm so happy this is on there. <sighs> okay. You know what time it is, Anthony. Yeah. It's, it's number one time. Okay. <laughs> this is, this is my favorite moment in the whole series. Like undeniably, uh, I like when I was doing the ranking for me, it wasn't even like nothing was even on the same level as this. This is premier S tier. Number one. one. My number one is Hangar 17B. Just the whole chapter. I mean, the, uh, the whole chapter is amazing. When you, okay? okay, when you get the, a location like that, it's like very innocuous, you know it's going to be like something yeah. special <laughs> right um I, okay so some context to actually reading this chapter it was one of those where i was like you know what maybe i'll read one more before i go to bed right <laughs> and, and, okay and i decided not to i was on hangar 17 v and, and i closed it and i went to bed and i was like tomorrow i'm gonna finish light okay. right i'll just start there and i'll just finish okay. it so i'm like okay time to s- i get off of work and i'm like i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna read some light bringer and then i read and that's the first chapter i read on my journey to the end okay i okay this is right this is cassius teaming up with lysander right yep. to defeat atlas and and rome right D- and at T- the time like flavinius uh, rome t flavinius flavinius <laughs> flavinius <laughs> <laughs> no, Flavinius sounds way better. Um, it's like obviously right. Flavinus. Um, More like anyway. bone to you flatulence. Yes. Um, anyway, so it another like like Ragnar and uh, Darrow versus Cassius yeah, 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 yeah. and like Aja, right? Like same vein. Um, and and I knew at this point something. I mean, you probably felt it too. Something horrible was bound to happen. And, There's no and, way Cassius and, is there. No way that Cassius has that heart to heart with Darrow, and then shows up in the enemy's mouth and makes it out scot free. Yeah, right. There's no no way, no way. And I thought for sh- and you know it was one of those things where like even before reading it, I was like, oh fuck, dude, this chapter's gonna hurt because like this is when Atlas pulls the final like the final piece of the puzzle is set right, and right. he like, you know, has total control and this is how he wipes the rim out or whatever his plan is. Um, and to come to the point where they win, <laughs> right? Like, like, like Cassius defeats Atlas. Has in the razor around combat. his neck. Yes. Razor around his neck, right? Like dead to rights. Missing He's his right hand. Him. And yeah, missing his hand. He's fighting left-handed. So cool, dude. <laughs> Fucking Cassius, okay? And and for him for, for him to be in this moment and to have it all and then fucking Lysander, okay? Fucking <laughs> Lysander. I love a good good guy to bad guy arc. Yeah, yeah. But this one really hurt, okay? <laughs> I like really hurt because like this was like I've cried a lot during these series. Obviously, I've picked a lot of ones that have just made me cry a lot. But um, like, 
I, I like threw my Kindle. I, I I, you like sent me a picture of your face afterward. I, I, I had, to, I was like, there's not enough document of like how bad I'm crying right now. So I took a bunch. I was so happy with how the one came out with like just like just top like of your this. head. Yes, just, just so you can see the despair. Okay, like it. That was that was a lot. That I mean, like that ch- chapter is tough to get through. Um, like, and it's also like. Like oh, I'm so mad at Lysander, but at the same time, it's like I like I I understand where he's coming from at least in in, in his POV. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, I was totally distraught. Right. Like I I couldn't believe it. It made the rest of the the rest of the book hard to read. Right. Because anything mentioned in Cassius, I like started like you know crying again. Um. And uh uh. But looking back on it, I'm I'm actually like so satisfied with Cassius's way out. Like he died with honor right yes. he in a moment where he could have betrayed darrow and like gone with gone with lysander or just walked away like he his resolve remains where like he will do the right thing no matter what no matter what side he's on the right thing will you, will be what he does you know what this like echoes well, you know what this is what this is a reflection of what is this reflecting? your first uh your 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 fifth um uh, a pick here. Um, Eo's death is also very similar. It's 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 almost materially worthless. You know, Cassius achieves very little in terms of like um, advancing the cause of the rising by dying in this way. You know, but yeah, because his honor remains, and because of the connection he has with Lysander, it it rips Lysander's um, like moral weight away from him. You know, it, 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 it shows the depth of um, depravity that the golds at the core are capable of and how Lysander embodies that um, ideal. And it doesn't just show it to us, right, who are, you know, witnessing us from outside of the world, but it, it shows it to Lysander himself. It, it defines him that he killed Cassius in this moment, right? It, it is everything, that's, everything in his life has led to this moment, and he chose to do that. And that, like, that says so much about him, and it says, and it tells so much about, it tells himself so much about himself, right? It gives him a, it shatters his own worldview and his own, like, idealized version of himself, and shows who he really is, which like le- le- leaves him to being the tyrant that he's always destined to be, and the one that he's secretly always wanted to be, right? And we see that, again, we see that depravity again at the end when he destroys the garter, right? He, he, um, yeah. Oh, evil. Right. Evil. Pure evil. Probably the most evil thing he's ever done. And it, it stems from this uh, moment with Cassius, right? Now that, Cassi- now that he's killed Cassius, there's nothing left for him to, like, love anymore, right? Yeah. He's, like, t- truly alone. Exactly. Right? Tru- like, there are no more um, strings attached to me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, Amazing. I like Brown is like, oh God, I love this, right? Yes. Because that's the entire, that's a dark reflection of Darrow's entire philosophy, that the connections he has with the people that he loves is the only thing that matters. And the only way that they'll be able to survive is because they love and trust each other. And because not because they hold something over each other's heads, but because they inherently all believe the same thing and will, will work to support each other no matter what. And Lysander sees that same thing as a burden that he cannot carry, right? It's something this, that it holds him back. And um, 
the, and to, to have him cut those strings, leaving him utterly alone, makes him uh, such a, 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 an embodiment of gold. This is, a, I don't know how much anime you've ever consumed, but like this is as close as I could, as we can get to two characters' ideals being to Naruto and Sasuke. Okay. Um, <laughs> like Naruto is all about like, like, the the bonds of the people around him make him stronger and that's literally how he does get stronger right like he, he uses the people around him to whether it's training or or like teaching like teaching him stuff whatever like or physically using their power yeah, yeah. to make himself stronger um and right and it's like love is the way all that stuff like that but the sasuke is like no only, like removing all those things only makes you stronger and Anyway, the two of Darrow and Lysander do have those exact same uh, thought processes as those two characters. It's not like, um, you know, the most original idea ever, but it doesn't matter. It's very, like, it's, it resonates so, so clearly. And it's something that I think is something that's worth repeating over and over again, especially in our age of individualism. That, like, these bonds of other people, um, like, together as a community, that, that's what makes us, like, strong. It's, it's not these... The, 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 idea, the fact that you can do it all on your own, that you can destroy it all on your own. Um, yeah. I, I also really like uh, Rowan T. Flavinius. I think some, some people don't like him, but I, I liked seeing him go all out against Lysander, especially his last words where he says, if I was gold, you know, you would be dead or, or something to those effects, right? Um, truly, this guy was a, was a monster. All that, yeah. Um, all those crazy different ammos and all these different uh, techniques, so many hidden blades, <laughs> Yeah, well, he's, I mean, he's just like, um, like, I don't, I actually, I don't think there anyone, there is anyone just like him, but, but he, I mean, he's a gray who's a Gorgon, right? Yeah. Like it's the, it would be like a gray howler or well, whatever. He's like, he's like, Ephraim. like, he's wily and resourceful, you know? Yeah. Um, he like Ephraim, like always was like 10 steps ahead. He was always so smart and so very perceptive right and roan was the same way and he, i mean he freaking fooled lysander he was working for atlas for all this time and lysander had no idea that he was doing yeah. that you know uh incredible he was just always there like in the background like messing had his own um agenda his own priorities right um and yeah having him kind of become fully formed and become like a real player in the story like right before he's killed is really great i, I really enjoyed that yeah, I, I, and I do like that Lysander does get to like kill him, right? It's like, oh, you, you betrayed me. Right, right. Like, check this out. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like I'm gonna take you out. Um, but okay, let's go back to Cassius for a second. So, okay, yes, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think that like Cassius's death here is really amazing, and honestly, it gives me so much faith for Red God <laughs> because <sighs> all of Lightbringer is like a Cassius centered story right we see a yes. lot of cassius oh, redemption yeah. in this story right uh in an uh, iron gold he is um we see like his kind of new philosophy but he's got all these vices and he's got these like he's got these problems right and him and lysander are certainly still butting heads right it's very it's very sad when they part ways um right before cassius goes to his duel right and they say like we were brothers for 10 years but now all of that is shattered, right? We, we, are, we no longer see eye to eye. Um, like, it turns out that all of the things that Cassius tried to teach Lysander have, like, gone in one ear and out the other. And, um, like, we're, we're never going to be as close as we once were, basically. 
Then we see, you know, Cassius reunited with Darrow at the very end of Dark Age, right? I always knew he was alive, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I, I was with you with that, too. I was like, there's no way that he yeah, dies yeah, exactly. off page. So then, like they, so then he comes back. He's the Morning Knight. He, he, he helps Darrow with his new you know, Breath of Stone. And he makes, he makes good with Severo. Um, he forms a new bond with Lyria, right? All of that, like, he, he, there's all these nice moments where he, like, builds back his confidence and um, his reputation, and yeah, well, and he, and he also in in the story too, like on top of just rebuilding these bonds, you he also does all these like insanely impulsive, selfless actions. Oh my gosh! He like jumps in the fray to save those people from uh, like it was on the rim against yes, yes. Uh, which is mirrored by Lysander's or... cynical a propaganda piece where he's pretending to save people. You, you yeah. catch that? Where like they're the yes. Ascomani are taking him away and he's like filming them, like Lysander busting the door open and being like, yeah. Hey guys, I'm here to save you. But like Cassius actually did that and like put everyone else in danger to do that. Yeah, I mean he did. He like they could have been revealed and like Atlas could have found them immediately exactly. and like fucking blew them to bits. Um But yeah, I mean Cassius is so great. His arc is amazing. I mean, if if you've made it this far and the pitch hasn't and and you haven't been convinced yet, <laughs> like he's he's the Jamie Lannister arc that we've always wanted. He is like you're he's good in the beginning, kind of, and then he's like definitely the bad guy. But it's like he's the bad guy because Darrow be- betrays him. In but some it's not Darrow's right? fault. Like, you can't really blame Darrow. It's, it's not okay. It's not his fault. But he still kills his brother, right? Yes. Like that's like. In terms of honor, it's like, okay, I'm going to honor my brother's death of the person who killed him. Um, so, like, I, I never really fault Cassius for doing these these actions that he does on his end of the spectrum because he still finds them honorable, but they're just for the wrong reasons because he's been nurtured to believe them, right? Because the society is corrupt. And, he, and I feel like even after him like helping defeat the sovereign right at, at the end of Morningstar being redeemed. Right. I still feel like he doesn't feel he's redeemed. Right. And he goes on this journey of self redemption to try to pave the way for, you know, Lysander to be better than those before him and tries to teach him all these ways to like avoid war and like what, no matter the cost, right. He even like dies on in the rim defending Lysander's secrecy. Yes. Right. Um, and, and, and even then he, he has the same line that he does like before he dies. He's like, I'm Cassius Albalona and my honor still remains. Right. Um, but then for him to like, you know, die off page and then save Darrow and dark age, uh, and then rebuild the reaper of Mars, right? Like yes. to, to, to take Darrow from a place of, of extreme weakness, right? He's not only lost to Lysander and lost the war on Mercury, but then he loses in single combat against all, uh, Apollonius right like like there's so many steps that Darrow just keeps missing for Cassius to like hoist him back up and 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 to rebuild him anew well what about Cassius I mean he's also defined by all the things he's lost right all of the family members and brothers that he's lost him like losing control of his passions at the institute right um, then he's, you know, in constant war with Darrow, right? But then Darrow keeps winning while Cassius's faction keeps losing, right? He eventually gets captured and then, you know, put back on there. Then he, uh, under their wing. Then when he's on his journey of self-reflection, he loses Lysander despite all the effort that he spent with him, right? He, um, he, he's sort of defined by all of these things that he, uh, he that he loses, and it's, uh, it is that like that final redemption there that he in Darrow's like 
brotherly love that he's able to finally grow anew and become something that he's always wanted to be. Darrow and Cassius never had a chance to like ever like talk again. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they had that moment in um, Morning Star where they, they kind of like went over the Institute again and he like, and Darrow explained his plan, right? But all of that was in secret. It wasn't really until this book that they ended up being able to like resolve a lot of the issues that they had that they never, because once Cassius tries to kill Darrow and leaves him in the mud in the Institute, that's like the last time they ever like are friendly to each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Cassius's arc is so good. I mean, it's so great. amazing. Really, I could go. I could go on and on about it. Um, and and like, but yeah, you kind of knew that he was screwed when the love connection between him and Darrow, like, pretty much that, like, I love you like a brother, even though you killed my brother. Right. You know, like you're the you're the closest thing to family that I have left. It's uh, uh what a, I love that stuff, dude. <laughs> yeah, amazing. love it, love it. Okay, my. Number one, 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 one. Favorite Brit moment from the Red R- R- Rising series. Another Cassius-centered moment, the gala. Yes. Oh, my God. Just like you, this was my favorite moment after I read it, and it's remained my favorite moment throughout the rest mm, of the series it's a good one this, this is, is a good one far and above when i said yeah when i said we're ranking moments this was the top of my list and nothing surpassed it i love this moment um everything so perfect let's start with let's start with uh poisoning or drugging roke right to to keep drugging him from danger roke led to the destruction of the docks of ganymede <laughs> oh my god (laughs) which was like which is a such a pivotal moment for darrow the warlord one that he comes to regret in full force one that he was turns out so wrong about right but only possible because uh because rogue was there to uh to, to like facilitate that you know the arrangement of ships basically um so you know first of all we're starting off really strong um then Darrow, so Darrow has that, that bomb on him, right? He's, he's going to commit suicide by blowing up all of the important people. He's going to blow up the gala. He's going to destroy Octavia and many of the, uh, you know, the inner circle of the Sovereign, as well as House Bologna and House Augustus, right? All of them are gathered for the feast here. Um, he, uh, uh, he, he talks to Carnus. I don't know if you remember that talks to Carnus and Carnus uh, mentions to him that all you are is a shout in the wind, right? Which is a, something that really resonates with Darrow, something that he thinks about a lot. He thinks about it right before he overthrows the entire society, actually, is uh, that he will, not, uh, he will not be just a shout in the wind. He will be a howl that will resonate for generations. Um, awesome. Yes, thank you. Um, then, so then he's 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 talked to Harmony. He's resolved that he's going to commit. He's going to do a suicide bomb. He's going to commit suicide, blow up the entire thing, right? And just before he does it, he has everything in place. He sees Mustang with Cassius, and so many things start to fall into place again. You know, the mo- he's been away from her for two years, and they haven't really talked much because they've gone their separate ways. And although he does, he doesn't say it's for Mustang. It's, it's definitely for Mustang. He, oh, yeah. he's, he's there and he's like, he sees her with Cassius and he's like, okay, like 
remember, remember what it was like to be in the Institute, to be winning, you know, to, to, to be on top, to have something so strong that was uh, in defiance of the society's own rules, right? We, Mustang and I, learned something at the Institute that the, that the society never intended for us to learn, which is that we can create a society uh, or, or something that is, or you know, a, pro a republic, you might say, that is stronger than uh, the current hierarchy that is in place. Uh, one that is not built on subjugation and oppression, but one that's built on trust and belief. And seeing her there, like reanimates that part of his brain. And he realizes that this is not what Ewa would have wanted. This is not what Mustang would have wanted. So he takes the daring dare away and he challenges Cassius on, by stepping on his freaking table and walking over all of his fruits and stuff and tells him that he has defied, like he has, uh, you know, sullied his honor and that he demands satisfaction. Then, God, yeah. then he goes, <laughs> then he promises Nero he's going to make him king of Mars. And then he does the, the, the right of the iron gold where he smears like blood under his eye uh, to show that he understands uh, not just the like what's at stake, but the history of the society, right? This is what separates him from a mere demagogue, right? He, from a mere like talking head. He understands the history to a point where he can manipulate it and manipulate the people around him to following him. And he sells Augustus on this dream of becoming king of Mars and defeating the Bologna Scourge forever. Then he gets in this ring with Cassius and he's fighting with Cassius. And then you, he, uh, you know, Cass, Cassius is doing all his cravat Ca moves. Cassius, yeah, Cassius, who's like morning knight of this. That's right. He's already morning knight. Right? Like, he, like has, he is a prodigy. He is, no one's ever seen something like, with, like him with a razor. He's defeating people in duels left and right, you know, but Darrow never duels. They've never seen Darrow duel, right? They've never seen him duel. He, Secretly trading he with Warren. So, and like, yes. Ah! He's, he's, he's standing there and then his, his, uh, what, his, um, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but he, his fake fatigue falls away and he stands to his full height and he says, um, the only person that would miss me is, uh, my teacher, Lorne Al Arcos. And, you know, a hush goes over the crowd and he, <sighs> and he, he whips out the, 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 uh, willow way and takes off Cassius's fucking arm amazing he's like and he's amazing. toying with him because he doesn't want to kill him he still loves him like a brother he's yeah. and he's right there just messing with him he gets in julia bologna's face a woman who's been demanding his heart every day for two years and screams in her face what are you gonna do are you gonna let me kill your son just like i killed the other one ah <laughs> uh, darrow <laughs> ah! and then all of this, right, he recognizes that, that the division between Augustus and Bologna is the key to defeating the society, right? The, the turning the golds in on each other, uh, unleashing their pent-up fury and their, and their uh, desire for glory so that they will, they will eat each other in, the, in a way to, uh, to do this. And he thinks this is like, you know, this is a really good move, but he doesn't realize how good of a move it is until Octavia Alun steps in on Cassius' be Cassius's behalf. Um, Def, like defying the laws of uh, the society, 
putting herself above the law and basically saying that she is queen and that everything that she can do whatever the fuck she wants. And Cassie's like, I can't believe she's so foolish. I can't believe it's so easy to do this. But it was right there. It was all he did, had to do was just stick his razor in there and pry a little bit and it comes right off. Oh my God, dude. Freaking amazing. Everything yeah. about this is like, it, the, you know, the, the dramatic twist that, that he's been training in the secret. You know, while you were going to uh, operas, I was studying the blade. You know, like uh, he, he's been training with Lana, Ar- Lauren Arcos in secret for two years. Um, the, you know, the, re- the reunion with Mustang and recognizing what he's, what he's fighting for. The defiance of Harmony, the drugging of Rogue, the betrayal of Rogue that leads to his, uh, you know, Darrow's... Uh, betrayal and then uh darrow portraying the rims uh, honor and the end uh, all of it is tied up in this one moment everything like hinges on this gala it's like the most important thing that's happened and every time cassius brought it up in lightbringer i was like ha! also my favorite moment cassius thank you for bringing that yes. up <laughs> yes yeah i always i loved in lightbringer where, when it was like darrow was like you know, Cassius is like you're a shell of what you used to be, and he's like, "Yeah, well, I still beat you in combat that one time." Remember, <laughs> remember the gallon? <laughs> Cut off your remember arm. The <laughs> remember the gallon? Remember the gallon? Yeah, dude. Th- it, like, <clears throat> Golden Sun is so epic. That's also how Golden Sun like starts, pretty much, right? Yeah, That's it's like what's in the first it's, it's hundred when and something. It turns pages. around because right? Daryl loses over and over again in the beginning, right? He loses to Carnus in the academy. Pliny, remember Pliny is um, is. Uh, maneuvering and manipulating Nero to to force um, Darrow out, right? And this is like, Darrow thinks he's going to be like excommunicated. He thinks that he's going to be um, tossed out of House Augustus after the Scala. Um, So this is like his last like, last chance basically. And then everything turns around from here. You know, every uh, after this point storms the Vanguard, Iron Rain on Mars. Yeah. Uh, he forces like Lorne into battle. Oh yeah, right? that's good. That's really oh, awesome. I love that one. Love that. That's so good. Yeah, Golden Sun is epic. Just talking about all this makes me want to reread the series so bad, but I can't. Right? Like, like the amount of time that I've spent, like, like reading the series, like I, I can't reasonably go back again so soon. Like, I, I, I do want to reread the series again at some point, but not this quickly. I think, I you think, know? well, I, I fully plan on this, and I don't know if this will happen, but I fully plan on rereading it all before red god comes out before red god yeah. so that's a good as, idea as soon as he announces a date i'll i'll do it all again and then you know hopefully i will finish it after the release date <laughs> and then i won't have to wait you know what i mean right yeah yeah then you just then you, you just, just jump like, right back get into it, it on command yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then we'll read definitely re- want for another podcast anthony yes i definitely want to like at least reread the rising right like like the original trilogy is so good and there's so much stuff that like i feel like like i like think about it like i read golden sun in march like that's how far removed i am from the story and and i remember like i remember a lot about it but like there's little details that you know you forget about only because you've consumed them so quickly wow amazing okay all right that was our top five moments now we're going to talk about some of our favorite characters and we're only we've only picked two we've limited ourselves to two um so i hope that uh, uh this is uh you know We'll, we'll tread on new ground here um, is, is my intention. Okay. Um, I will go first since you went first last time. Um, my, my, uh, my favorite character uh, that I want to talk about is Atlas Al-Ra, a.k.a. Oh. the fear knight of the society. 
the the smartest man in the universe. I I have to include a villain here because I think Brown's characters are like all of his characters are great. Uh, I think his villains are are equally great. There's a lot of really good villains. Um, the Jackal, uh, Apollonius, uh, Atlantia, um, even uh, what's what's Atlantia's father's name? You know the the uh, patriarch of the Grimace family. Uh, Octavia, Aja, all of them, right? E even Nero and Julia Bologna, they're all really great villains. Um, but nobody likes, nobody is quite like Atlas. Uh, none of the other Olympic knights really embody their station the way that Atlas does. He is a master of manipulation, fear, and darkness. He is basically unstoppable. Um, I love, well, my favorite thing about Atlas is that he doesn't really revel in his work the brutal impalings he carries out are simply like the worst thing he can think of to do. He believes that the deeper the darkness, the brighter the light, and that it's possible to psychologically break the enemy by being as brutal as humanly possible. It's practically scientific. He's not insane or twisted. He's just super dedicated and really good at one thing. It's not like he likes you know, impaling people. It's just that doing that is the best way to make people afraid and not want to continue fighting, basically. Um, now, as a secret master of the Ascomani, he brings fear from the Kuiper Belt. He's like the devil himself. The worst parts of humanity are all organized and inspired by Atlas. I love when Darrow uh, says to his crew, I believe this is in um, Dark Age, but it, but it might be in Iron Gold. He says, stop calling him fear. Call him by his name, Atlas. As if Atlas isn't a more, even more badass name. <laughs> Atlas is a all, all, like... All the, I, all the villains. I, I, I cool love the names, names. in the series. Um, and it's so fitting, too. He deems it his duty to carry the worlds on his back, to bring us into a new age by blighting this one as much as possible. Alice is a worthy villain and a scary one. His philosophy makes him a really deep character with complicated motivations and patient, incredible plans. It's not clear who he's like working for, right? When, he's, when he inspires the Askamani to do this, it's, it's uh, as the rising is happening. So, like, who is he following at that point, right? Is it, and now he's uh, he's put all this in place so that anyone, basically, can slot into that. And when Lysander's star starts to rise, he's like, perfect, even better, you know? This is this still works with my with my plan. So he he's like this, you know, he's like this uh, really skilled craftsman that uh, if you have on your side, um, you know, everything is uh, comes to fruition and everything works out. Um, but uh, he can also... He also has his own agenda. He also has his own things he wants to do. Um, yeah, I yeah. I love I love Atlas's like place in the universe. Yes, right. Me too. Like when when Darrow and Diomedes at the end of Lightbringer like go to pitch their idea of joining the Rising to Gaia. Yeah. She's like, I told Atlas when he was like taken to the rim as like you know a, a prisoner of war, right? Or like it wasn't even that he was a child, right? So uh, what do you reference to that as like a uh, they're plucking him as like leverage, right? To yeah, like yeah. not rebel, right? Um, and she's like, so, like you must play your part, right? And that is like all that he is, right? Like he's like, I have to be a villain for things to be good, right. and he impressions on Lysander perfectly. Like, like I think that he stands for a lot of things that Lysander stands for. No, he definitely does. He because he sees the same problems that Lysander does. He's like. It's not good that we're all fighting each other, you know? This is why yeah. we need another enemy, right? I mean, this is this is the classic fascist argument. It's like, we we have s the enemies at the gate, and we all have to be united and put aside our petty differences to defeat them. 
whether or not they're real or not is you know is a right, different problem. Yeah. But he's he's there to make it real. He's there to to inspire the fear, right? He he is um he's Palpatine pulling the levers in the background, trying to get uh you know building two armies so they'll fight each other. You know like but he doesn't want to be Amazing. emperor. He just he's just really good at getting armies to fight each other. <laughs> so right, he right. like he's like who wants to come? You know I got an empty seat at the throne. I'll you know I'll. You, anybody's welcome to it as long as you guys you know adhere to this idea that like y'all have to get along you know what i mean yeah yeah he's he's an amazing villain yeah amazing villain i also yeah and you're so right where it's like 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 throughout the series i mean you really don't hear much of him until like i mean he exists right in the rising but like it's really iron gold and this the tetralogy where you know more about yes. him Espe- i mean it especially become, like he becomes like an actual player right yeah to know that he's been like pulling the strings for well over a decade right and and to also seamlessly weave lysander into the equation into like like him he's a better option which is also kind of how like virginia thinks sometimes too oh if i'm gonna bet on any of these golds it should be lysander now depending on what she finds out in the end like we'll see what happens but she thinks similarly right well he seems like a more reasonable person he he seems more regal he he's cultivated this idea of being sovereign right that, that he's like this he's this uh benevolent dictator right that he is someone who can rule with an even hand um i, I actually just re-listened to the end of dark age where uh darrow is fighting lysander and, and darrow see like he says he sees the path that lysander's on Right. And he sees that people will rejoice when their reins are held by manicured hands, you know, and he, he like he even though Lysander has not even though we've seen it from Lysander's point of view, but we we have not heard it from his voice. Right. Lys- Dar- Darrow sees his path so clearly laid out in front of him and, and what Lysander is hoping to achieve. And his name alone grants him this authority that um, gives that makes him seem like he's the perfect fit for whatever it is that um you know they're trying to do next yeah. uh do you have anything else you want to say about atlas because we're on a good transition um no okay lysander is one of my is pr- one of my favorite characters if not my favorite character um because he's on good guy to bad guy arc but he's seeing it through you know like darrow <laughs> he's not, he's is not like good, out like darrow did yes it, like darrow is good guy to bad guy but he's still a good guy um even though he makes bad guy decisions but it's because he has to right he's operating in this like gray area constantly yeah yeah lysander's actually fucking evil okay like he does shit that is like totally like irredeemable right this is we eventually we had his docs of ganymede right it was like the like the destroying of the garter yes right and and we're not gonna which is is definitely worse we're taking the destruction of the ducks again so much worse so much worse infinitely worse um and, and and also doing that like he kills Cassius right like when Cassius enters the fray because this is what I, this is what I was saying where like Atlas really impressioned on Lysander because I think that even though Atlas is gone he still wins right because well, like remember Lys- his his head's blown off but his smile is still on his face you can still see his yeah smile. because because Lysander is like really embracing this right yeah. he's he has become the fear knight um he he like like right as soon as cassius enters the equation lysander instantly writes him in and says this is exactly the tool that i need to free myself from atlas's hands yes. right and it's almost like that's something atlas wanted right where like you know not to say that he wanted to die but but 
to to have someone replace him and to take charge and to be this person to well, become well, think the about fear knight. What, what Foss said at right, he's um like Atlas is promising him this like luxurious life of um of in, in retirement, right? Like in retirement, you're, like you, yeah, yeah. You'll be able to retire back to you know wherever you like and do whatever you want, you know. And um, he was like dreaming of that. And I, I, it's, hard, it's not hard to believe that Atlas maybe believes something for himself that he wants to get out of the game. He's tired of doing all this, and you know it's a, you know waging war is exhausting. And maybe he like, he doesn't really have anything to turn back to, but maybe he was looking for an excuse to get out. Um, but anyway, like Ly- Lysander is great because I like it's reading his stuff. His POV is a lot like reading Darrow's POV in The Rising. Mm-hmm. Right where he is creating these bonds that he doesn't know if he could trust people, and he's and he's constantly betrayed. Um, it's just the the end result that he comes to is that the bonds that I made are all worthless versus the bonds that I made are meaningful, um, and decides that being alone and being able to operate pretty much without any alliances, but forcing people to work with him is the end result. Um, I I was I felt like Lysander really came into his own in the his chapter mars must fall where Ah, he like is like where have the shepherds gone you know (laughs) all this infighting is creating nothing and what you said earlier right like just by name alone by name alone he is able to speak up for himself even though atalantia was like don't you say fucking anything or or i'll kill your friend oh my gosh dude when he when he uh glances upward at atlas um because he knows everyone's watching him Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So freaking cool. Just like the the tiny hint that Atlantia is like is uh, forcing everyone to do what she says and no one's going to dissent. And, and this is all a farce, right? She's asking for a dissent, but she's not going to tolerate any dissent. And the proof right. of it... Because she, she, she's operating in that like sovereign-esque yes. power structure, right? The dictator. Like she, she is like the self-proclaimed dictator of the gold. She, um, the proof of that is Atlas in the, in the rafters, right? He is the the hammer that will fall on anyone who speaks out so um yeah that, i thought that was brilliant and i i agree yeah. uh I sw- I, my favorite part though is definitely when he invokes the minotaur and he just like does the horns how are you picturing yeah. him doing that exactly oh for me for me it's it's more like this oh, okay, like okay. it's 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 not it's not he's he's not up there like yeah i thought he was putting the know? finger like his hands to his head <laughs> no no he's going like this it's i think it's this that's I better, think, that's and, and, better. The, and the rallying cry is like so like then everyone is like yeah you know and they're yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, lift up the the, the okay, horns, I, guess right? I, better, I guess we for, better describe it so i was i was picturing I was putting say, for, like my thumbs to my head and my fingers up you know like l's and, and j's and like putting them on my head like horns uh-huh. but you're doing and, like and a spider I'm doing like the rock yeah oh, like know, a rock, like, oh rock we're on. here to rock a rock and roll yeah, 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 baby yeah. you know like the the my my pointer finger and my pinkies are up and everything else is down yeah right um, okay. Uh, anyway, that's good. so I, that's much better uh, than what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I actually went back and reread Mars Must Fall specifically, like to talk about Lysander, because I mean, he he also he does the rallying cry of like everyone. Hey, I, I know that she's saying that we got to take Loon, which is something we'll talk about here in a minute. Darrow's seat of power and Victor and uh, and uh, Mustang's seat of power is Mars. If we take Mars, it's over. That's right. Right. Which is like kind of what happens in the rim, right? They all leave the rim to go fight Mars, and then their homeworld is taken. So they said, "Fuck Mars, we gotta go home." <laughs> yes, it's it's awesome, and and Lysander is on this arc, uh, but I still think even now there's like redemption for him really? ahead. Yeah, I I I do think that 
Um, cause at the end, of, at the end of this book, he had, we haven't even talked about it, but like he has the doomsday weapon, right? Which is like, I can shoot this gun with this specific color in it and all those colors will cease to exist. First of all, crazy doomsday weapon. I don't understand how it works, but I have to accept that it just it does. Um, <laughs> right. And in what capacity? Like I'm under the, I'm under the impression that it's like shoot it. And then everything that ever was ceases to exist. Well, it's like, right? it's like, a virus that targets the, um, hmm. It targets like the specific physiology of a color, right? And it's okay. So, and it to it has to like spread to those people, so yeah. it can only affect one world at a time. I think. Well, you know, look. I mean, look at our own pandemic, right? And, I guess that's you know, true. You know, just because it was, you know, it was airborne, right? But um, you didn't. It spread because we have a connected universe, right? So it's very easy okay. for us to for you to imagine that even if you tried to quarantine a world, it would still leak out, especially if it's very contagious, which I think it, the implication is that it's like the most contagious it can be. So, Okay, because either way, like, right, if Lysander truly is a villain, the answer is just red, right? Like, like he should just eliminate the entire army, right? Or like the answer should be Obsidian, right? Like, why even consider gold, right? That includes himself. Yes, but right? it's possible that he might be able to insulate himself and maybe a couple of others. There, like, like save some gold. Right, there may right? be some like antidote the, or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. We don't know the full mechanics of it. I think, yeah, there's it's, a lot of, I think it's likely that he'll target gold because he sees them as the biggest threat on the other side. And the society is so... The, the Republic is so, like, dispersed, right, that um, it's possible that you'll have all these different colors. Um, well, what should I say? It's, it's so dispersed that it's possible that a different color will take up the mantle when one falls, right? The, the Senate was made up of all the different colors, not just um, gold or just red, right? Right. So uh, I don't know what the, you know, the proportion of different colors are. I assume there's more reds than there are like yellows right but i and like there's only a certain number of golds that were allowed to exist because of the board of quality control but that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't a lot of them and that a lot of them are still aligned with you know whatever's going on i mean if you want to take out the army you'll have to take out the the grays right but that doesn't necessarily mean that the, the republic will stop fighting yeah the, the, the society's structure is way more rigid as far as like who's like building like who's doing the war effort you know what i mean right it, it, it i guess like i guess the the what is it officially called the edme edme yeah Ed, Ed, edme yeah. um like i guess he he could use it in the same way that atalantia uses atlas who she no longer has right where it's like this is my hammer right like that's the intention right? me, like that, everyone that was dies. the intention of uh when selenius and um akari built it was that you could it would be a last resort to threaten a color that was getting out of line, right? Mm-hmm. And you could like, I'm gonna rebuild you from the ground up and just wipe you out entirely. Um, yeah. But the fact that there's like, you know, it's possible to uh, take out so many of them. <laughs> right. Like it, yeah. it definitely seems like more than one color is at threat um, right now. Yeah. Um, anyway, I I I don't know why, but I I still feel like I'm holding out hope for Lysander that that there is some redemption in his arc um, i think whether that, it's like uh, yeah so a lot of people don't like lysander on the red rising subreddit you know i think most people don't like him strictly at like because of Glightbringer. 
Yes, yeah. because of Lightbringer and and everyone loving Cassius, sure. right? Like I felt the same way too. Even though I liked Lysander and and like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Good guy to bad guy arc. That's the reaction I want. I want to cry yeah, yeah, yeah. really hard over something, and and I find that overall positive because I like that so much. I just genuinely love this universe, um, and and the writing and everything. Um, but like. Yeah, I mean, that's people's reaction is like, oh, they killed Cassius, so fuck that guy. And I, too, said that. I was like, fuck you, Lysander. Like, I can't believe you did this. Why would you do this to me? I didn't deserve this. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I generally agree with you in that, like, he deserves more credit, I think. I think that he's a um, he's an interesting parallel to, like, or interesting foil to Darrow because he has a lot of similarities, but he is very different, right? Lysander didn't really ever have to try for anything uh, you know his his whole life is built around his name and the fact that he has the loon name gives him a lot of purchase and people are willing to listen to him because he has the blood of selenius in his in his veins but that makes him an interesting like parallel to darrow who is essentially like clawed his way from the bottom all the way to the top certainly he had some boosts right the carving certainly gives him a lot of advantages but he was just another member of the institute, right? Whereas Lysander's never been to an institute, so right. It's a he. Um, but he has the mind's eye. That's right. Whatever that he is. He has all these like, like I, yeah. He has all these like little like you know things. He has a dancing mask, the mind's eye. He has um, you know this incredible knowledge about the uh, the world, right? And like how structures and how things are made and all this stuff. You know, he trained under Glorastes, right? The, one of the greatest oranges of all time so like all of that is like kind of it makes him a very unique like villain and because he's not the same as darrow but he still has like some of the same similarities in that he recognizes the society is broken he recognizes that unity is the only way forward right and um and he believes that he can lead people to a to a new future and that it's that like anything is worth that right he's willing to die for that um, well, yeah. Well, and that's like Darrow and Golden Sun recognizes infighting is how to win. Yes. And Lysander also recognizes the same thing. Right. It's just they're they're, they're, like, they're obviously Darrow. Darrow wants to spew more infighting, and Lysander's like, "This needs to end now." And I, and uh, I if, like if we want to win. I like seeing Lysander like, you know, doing things. You know, I just don't like it when he wins against my favorite characters. I don't like it when he killed. Um, Alexander. I didn't like it when he tricked oh, Darrow Hadia. by pretending to be Cato, yeah. right? All of that is um, yeah. is frustrating. But I'm I'm also like really impressed, you know, like all of the the spy stuff he does and how he um, you know, he he betters these other golds. Like I don't necessarily want to see him die. I don't want to see him just taken out. I want to see him, you know, kind of come into fruition and become leader of the society and then become like too powerful to like keep alive essentially. But I, I, mm. I, I like seeing him kind of uh, – I, I like having this character that I'm both rooting for and also not – like don't want to see win. Um, right. Because ultimately, like, like we said, the emotional toll this series takes on you and, and like the emotions that are high in it is like I can't detach myself enough from the rising and from Darrow and his quest. You know, I, I want to – I believe in it. I want it to win. I want it to be – victorious so badly that i don't want lysander to win at all even though even if i agree from a like objective level that what he's doing makes sense and that it's like it's a it makes the story more fun i'm also like no like don't do that no don't listen yeah. to him no uh, uh, yeah and also to be clear 
I'm not rooting for Lysander to like kill Darrow, okay? Or like even defeat Darrow. I want Darrow to win. But I think you and I feel the same where like like Darrow will probably win, but like at his own cost, right? Um and what does that mean? Um could that even mean that like Lysander is part of that equation? I don't know. Right. Um but I'm holding out hope that Lysander could still have some form of redemption in some way. Uh yeah, anyway. Love Lysander, one of my favorite characters. Okay, one of my other favorite characters, well, my other favorite character, I will say, is Virginia Al Augustus, a.k.a. As as she should be. Yes. She's amazing. She's the best. Um, She's always been my favorite character ever since she was, like, fully introduced, and and she and Dara were um, saving each other in the Institute. Uh, Even when she didn't know Dara was red, they both agreed that the way the world was run was broken and that they could fix it. They are the perfect ideal couple um, in that they make each other stronger and fill in each other's gaps. Darrow defers to Mustang on so much and genuinely respects and agrees with her on basically everything. It's true that neither of them would have survived the Institute without the other, but it was Virginia's beliefs that kept them warm and alive and her plan that won the day. She is the one who captured the Jackal completely without Darrow's help. But of course, she really shines in the political sphere. She is so much cleverer than anyone else. She can dominate a room in seconds. She's always 10 steps ahead and seems to know everything about everyone. She endures insults and constant doubts, but she never doubts herself or lets the dancing mask slip. And she isn't a one-trick pony. We see her use force to get her way, intimidation, lies, trickery, everything. And then there's all the brain stuff. First, she has all these built-in mechanisms to protect her from weaponized pheromones and other weird tricks. She is perfectly aware of how her brain interprets information and is able to move beyond emotion as if she's a god. Um, Her improvements on Octavia's pandemonium chair with the psycho spikes have made her the premier information extractor. She has basically mastered the mind, and that makes her all the more dangerous. But honestly, does she really need it? In the span of an afternoon, she convinces a practically feral Severo to not just let a prisoner who kidnapped his child go, but to join her cause. And she reasons with Dancer, who has been her political enemy for years, and convinces him to vote for her. She's amazing. Um, I love you, Mustang. <laughs> um, one of my one of my like off podcast. We had a uh, just in case our top fives align. Like yeah, let's yeah, yeah. have a uh, let's have some honorable mentions. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about that I love so much with Mustang was the mafia that exists on Loon, right? Like the uh, the syndicate, right? Led by the syndicate queen, who's like you know like masked for so long. Yes. Um, and and like to see them. Uh, like the syndicate bra- basically like almost destroy the Republic in an afternoon, right? With like the day of red doves. Oh my God. The day uh, of red doves. Which is doves. another like epic moment, but it's too, it's too tragic for me to put on my list. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like so tragic. Um, but yeah, I love Mustang and, and I was so happy that we finally got a Mustang POV. Yes. That was one of the best. When I remember like getting, like reading that, I mean like, Oh, Oh, like getting to that chapter and just be like, oh, fuck, a Mustang POV? Like, <laughs> yes, dude. Finally. Because, I mean, like, not only is she Mustang, but she's, like, risen to the seat of Sovereign, right? Yes. Like, like it's, she's the most powerful political being in this in this universe currently. Uh, so cool. I love her so much. She's great. She, I, I, everything about Mustang is awesome. Um, her, like, leading the charge on, like, on Phobos, right? Like, um, you know, commanding the army from her chair, 
was great. And then the labyrinth she gets stuck in with the Minotaur and she has to make a deal with, um, with what's his name? The, uh, the unshorn, um, to, uh, a Valdir, Valdir the unshorn to, uh, to get Valdir out. Valdir the unshorn. All of that's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. She's, uh, she's great. I, I like her so much. And I, I love how, like when Darrow is leaving, um, Venus to go to Mercury, right? Um, because he thought he was ending the war, but the war was still continuing. Um, and he and Severo goes back to Mars, right? Or yeah, to Luna, I guess. Um, back to and, Luna. And Darrow feels like he's betrayed, betrayed everything. He's betrayed his family and everything. Um, as soon as as Virginia recognizes the situation that Darrow's in, she completely agrees with him. She's like, "Oh no, she, he did the right thing." And and then she hammers on Severo, being like, "Where were you when Darrow needed you? You know, where were you?" And like he's like, "I came back for my family." And she's like, "Fuck that! Like you need to help. You need to help Darrow." <laughs> Like even like he like I I felt so bad I was like Darrow was betraying everything but then seeing Mustang like also like right along with him still on like in the same track on their in their minds um, was uh, beautiful I I love yeah. them together I love like them as a as a team and um, I think uh, yeah I I can survive Darrow dying but not um, Virginia dying not Mustang <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna survive any any of these deaths <laughs> that are coming. <laughs> They're all gonna just ruin me. My other favorite character is that I want to talk about is Cassius, but we've talked to about him like completely in depth. Um, I don't think there's another character that I could possibly uh, place else in here. Uh, this is a truly all-star cast, honestly. Truly. Like uh, all these characters are so cool. Um, like they're all written so well and they they fit into the universe perfectly i love everything about this series <laughs> okay so we're gonna wrap up here with our predictions for the next book the final book of this of the tetralogy the final book of the seven book series uh, until uh brown runs out of money and then he decides he needs to make more <laughs> write more books right right <laughs> spinoffs and whatever else right to 100 years in the future we have another you know we have another one of these so who knows what yeah happen. or like you know another 700 years of peace and prosperity because right. lysander right, wins right. the whole thing that's right so um, um but but regardless <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm happy that we're getting a an ending here and a red gods is set up to be the most epic one of the series so let's talk about what we think is going to happen anthony here's my number one and you know I, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be so wrong about most of these but i don't care oh yeah that, that's right well because remember remember like i cannot reiterate how many times like i've been like yeah i know exactly what's gonna yeah, happen yeah. and then just be totally Absolutely. fucking but wrong. I, I, I don't care that's the fun of the series is always fun yeah. trying to figure out what's gonna happen next so um i think dara's gonna die i think that yeah um we agree on that by the way i think I, like i think I, that at the I, end of the I, book he's you. going to die and you know i have this i have this uh i don't know what it is i have this like uh, line of thought about characters dying at the end of books, which is that it doesn't matter if a character dies at the end of a book because you're not going back to the universe, right? The book is over, so like it doesn't matter if someone dies at the at the end of a book because it's okay. like you don't get to live without them. You don't get to miss them, you know, beyond missing uh -huh. any of the other characters that you also don't get to read about because they're all even though they're alive technically, the book is over, so it's, it might as well be dead. So they're dead too, exactly. right? Yeah. They're anyway, so. I think I think Daryl will die. I'm not sure how though. I I do believe it'll be some crazy you know scheme where he'll end up like pulling down the pillars on top of himself and crushing himself in some you know crazy way, and it will mean a lot to everyone. Um, it'll be very very sad for Mustang and Pax, but ultimately they'll get over it and recognize his sacrifices. So so noble as it's always been. 
Um, interesting that you think Pax will make it. I think that he dies too. You think Pax is gonna die? Yeah. I mean, he he's him, like, come on. He put him in a he like, put him in a school for six years to keep him out of the fray to keep him from a. Uh, uh, yeah, but like he's, a, he's in it, like. Like you have that like it's like it's like literally like three pages of dialogue between Pax and Virginia, yeah. and he's like, "I have chosen the way of blue," or like what? Like you know, he's like, "I will follow." <laughs> Which Orion's is so funny because and- he was raised by Reds and Golds, he was captured by Obsidians and trained by them, and now he's like being trained by the Blues, right? Like. Yeah, but but he it's because he like wants to be a pilot, right? Like yeah, that's yeah. like his thing. And I I think ultimately like he'll die in some sacrificial way where he's like mm. he's like I embody my father's thoughts. Like I'm going to save him and then die, ah. you know? Um that could happen. Uh, it really could happen. Yeah. Um I uh, another bold prediction I have is I think that uh Severo will die. I think Severo will die. Um and I sadly enough, I think it'll be like I, I, like the situation I have built in my head yeah. is that um, Severo is uh, indoctrinated in some way by the the abomination, but uh, by by like the brain spikes, right? Yes. Like the uh, he he like doesn't even know that he's indoctrinated, right? Because it seemed so silly to me that they just got Severo, right? Like he just instantly instantly win Severo at the beginning of Lightbringer um, after he was like left behind for dead. Uh, so he feels like he's some kind of plant to where when he finally sees Virginia for the first time, like he's going to like go crazy and like try to kill her, almost kill her, actually kill her. Um, and maybe it's like he's taken out of the game for a bit or it's like like the situation is so high tense that like Darrow kills him by mistake, yeah, yeah. you know, like some some situation like that, which would suck, by the way. I would hate if Severo dies, but I think that he's in some game right now that we don't even know, right? Like like the, the Jackal is so good at playing like 10-dimensional chess that I, the moves that he's made, I haven't foreseen. Um, I think that's, I think it's perfectly logical. I, I don't know if that will like it's transpire in that way. I think that it, I think what you're saying makes sense, but I do think Severo is going to survive. And the reason why I think he's going to survive is because Fitchner's dead because, because Severo never had a family. I think it's going to end up being like this, this nice, like, like either, either Victor is going to die or they're both going to survive. And he's going to have the, the kids to um, like to care after care for after everything's over. And it's going to be like mm-hmm. this sort of, it's it sort of redeems Fitchner in the end by being this father that was like always so like absent and like you know fighting a war and Severo never wanting that for himself right he always wanted to return home to his kids like that's that's ultimately yeah. going to be his reward but what you're saying makes sense and maybe they'll um maybe he'll like try something and then they'll have to like you know put him in a cell for a long time or something but that's a shame yeah. because they've, they try to fix they've already like they've already retired several like a couple of times they've taken him out of the story you know he's just been kind of absent so it, i want him and darrow to finish this together more than anything it just feels so appropriate yeah. so yeah um and the other thing is that um, it seems like everyone agrees that the abomination is, was a mistake I, I i like like brown needs to wrap that story up in a satisfying way he can't just like leave that as a loose end right but well yeah i but mean he that's... can't make that like it doesn't feel like people are gonna be satisfied if that's a main plot point you know what i mean like if that's a if that's like a key element of the story it just doesn't feel like it's gonna make a lot of sense yeah i um uh, i do think something in like i think the story is gonna kick off with whatever's going on on loon okay. right because atalantia is 
probably storming that location, sure. right? And the abomination is not going to live through that, I don't think, right? So, like, maybe it's a situation where it's, like, the abomination is, like, I'm going to, like, I can't team up with Atalantia because she's going to kill me. So I'm actually going to go to to uh, Virginia and, like, team up with her. And then Daryl's going to be, like, holy fuck, what is this situation? And be, like, nah, we're done with the jackal. And just, like, X's him out. I don't know. Like, Yeah, okay. Some, something along the lines of that. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't uh, know. It's, it's sort of a – the Jackal's a wild card. It's really hard to know what yeah. will happen. And, um, yeah, I, I think what you're saying about Severo makes sense. It seems like that's a that's an interesting laid plan, but I honestly feel like like Brown would have telegraphed it a little bit more if, if that was the, the case, you know, even yeah. though it's supposed to be, like, stuck in his mind. Like, just, just having some sort of clue that, like, Severo's not, not all there, you know. Um, but yeah. it, like, maybe it's just hard to tell because he is sort of insane. Yeah. Um, the my other bold prediction is that uh, Lysander uses the weapon and like de- destroys everything and everyone and everyone dies and okay. just Quicksilver and his like gang of <laughs> Adam and Eve's live. <laughs> that's that's funny. I um I think he's gonna I think Edmy's gonna be used against Gold. I don't know how. Um, I don't know who's gonna push the button. I, like I I think there's gonna be some sort of weird like mechanic that's introduced where like the machine is started but it can't be turned off but you can like re- you can replace uh a, one of the boxes the with color a different or something one. and so someone's yeah. going to come in there and see that it's set up to destroy red or something and they're going to switch it for gold and then it's going to kill the gold instead or something something like that um yeah yeah but I, I i think that of the um like from a narrative perspective it feels dramatically appropriate that gold would be the target of a weapon that gold created yeah um do you think that the like ai slime thing comes back do you think that like because they were already there where they they like because it was extracted by mateo quicksilver right and like they could have got in it like like they could have given it to darrow then yes and i mean just imagine someone like darrow with that kind of weapon right where you essentially can launch nukes from wherever from the seat of your own home right like you you can can stop control an army of robots like yeah 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 no it's um but they also mentioned there's there's six other ones. So my theory yes, is yeah. that the one that Lyria had is gone, as good as gone. But somebody else is going to find a find one, and then no one's going to understand how it works or what they're doing. But Lyria is going to recognize it as like uh, from what Matteo described to her and her own experience with it. She's going to recognize it and be like, that person has a parasite in their head, and you know this is what they're doing, and that's going to be the key to stopping them basically. Mm, um okay because another character i could see like adopting one of those would be would be pax okay right because like he's like learning how to be a blue to be one with the ship sure. and then like implanting an ai monster he does in his know head, about it like, doesn't he yeah and he knows about it and he's the one who like sent her on the mission yeah, yeah. right he was like i know about this um okay i think so, yeah. okay i think that holiday and all of the telemonuses are gonna get killed mm, yeah I, I i think so too i mean i well so long as uh, what's the what's the fox's name? Sophocles. Sophocles. Sophocles the fox. Um, yes, Sophocles will live only because Sophocles is eternal. It's right? true. There's, like, he all is these eternal. different uh, living all the these best different editions big, of like good boy life of being cloned over and over again. Yes, just being cloned forever to be Hilarious. happy. Um, I okay. Um, here's here's my. Okay. I have one more prediction. Okay. 
The Republic will not survive. Instead, a different form of government will be dominant. Uh, perhaps uh, space communism? <laughs> what about just capitalism? Uh, I don't right? know. If, let's, say, let's, say, so the, so let's say that like, the Republic blows up, right? Yeah. And, there's, and so does like, what's left of the society. The society and, all that's le- and all that's left is Quicksilver and like, the humans that he's creating. Like, it would naturally be capitalism. Because that's he's always like yes, capitalism. It's will true. Save he us does all. love it's capitalism. better than what better than it's the republic. It's weird how much he loves capitalism, even though that's how yes. he made all his money. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Like, how, how do you think Apollonius goes out? I think there's going to be a, a rematch between the Reaper and Apollonius. I think it'll be mm. on the battlefield this time because Brown doesn't repeat like things exactly. He does like he does bring things back and like he kind of like references old things, but he never does t- the same things like the same exact thing twice. So yeah. I don't think it's going to be another like duel necessarily as much as they're going to meet on the battlefield and then they're going to have a, a one-on-one basically. And it's going to be like howlers yeah. versus Gorgons or, or whatever, like all around them as they fight. The 13. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also like one thing we didn't really touch too much on, but like how everyone just wants their own howlers, right? <laughs> like there's the, the Gorgons, like Lysander has the 13 yep. that he's like, kind of started to instill and like i can't well, wait to meet needs that, army. those characters yeah, that's true the, uh, the, and like the lion's guard yeah oh and uh Sefi tried to recreate it with like uh um ephraim yeah. and like him teaching the obsidians how espionage works um super cool love all that stuff this book is amazing the series is amazing i'm like so unbelievably happy that like this has happened me too um, i'm so glad to get this all out like, i've always i always want yeah. to do this for books i read so but i never have an opportunity to so thank you for giving me an outlet anthony letting me uh speak endlessly about it and text you always like every other day being like i can't believe yes. it oh my gosh yeah <laughs> and me just having to like just be like yes, yes. but he doesn't know <laughs> everything <laughs> um yeah and like you will also be the only one that receives all my rising tiktoks perfect um, i will take i was like you gotta, you gotta be yeah, on the subreddit I, the subreddit's got some good stuff I, I i i do go to the subreddit but i don't use reddit in the same way that i used to where it was like always on my computer at all okay. times you know like um like i'll use reddit like like maybe it's like once a day i'll go and it's mostly for like r slash fantasy football but i do go on r slash red rising every now that, and then. that one you that one tiktok you sent me of like the uh, posters that was on the subreddit uh-huh. so you can you can find yeah, it and like yeah. and zoom in on all of them so um it's yeah there's some Very good cool. stuff thank you anthony for for coming on to affable chat and talking to me about red rising all things thank you for having me affable chat do you have Love anything it. you want to plug uh yeah my new howler name is white noise <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, I don't. I don't know if I have a howler name. I can't think of anything on top of my head. But I will say this: um, around the time that I started reading this series, I got a dog, uh, a hound dog, and one of my favorite things to do is howl at the dog because it gets him to howl too. So I've oh, had amazing. two reasons yeah, that's super to cool. howl uh, now, both in reference to Red Rising and to the dog, Jackson. Jackson dog. Let's see if um, one um, uh, one funny thing that I wrote like in my notes where I was just like spewing is uh, as I said. Go ahead. I said um, as I'm writing this now, Joey hasn't begun Iron Cold, and I'm urging him down the path. <laughs> Somebody has to hear these words. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! Jackson! Ow.
Boy Jackson. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Affablechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet. There you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts, including our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all of which are at AffableChat, and even our email address, affablechat at gmail.com. If you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, Hail Libertas! Hail Reaper! Hail Affable Chat! Hail Affable Chat! Thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs>